on this episode of the Flophouse, another current release. It's cats. That's right. It's the first annual question mark Flophouse Catstacular Catstravaganza with special guests Natalie Walker and Jenny Jaffe. Women. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey there, Dan McCoy. I'm Little Stewie Wellington. Oh, and over here is Big Elliot Kalen, the fiercest lumberjack of the Northwest. And who do you have next to you, Elliot? Sitting next to me, it's Jenny Jaffe. That's right, everybody. Returning guest Jenny Jaffe. And Dan, who's sitting next to you? Who is it? It's, it's Natalie it's Walker. Natalie Walker. I don't know. I, I wanted you to. We didn't practice this, Billy. You no, messed this up. Just a legendary cat's freak. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very fitting that there are so many of us to introduce, though. Yes, yeah. because each of us has a song to sing about our names and also our characteristics, which are strangely enough almost the same characteristics all the other ones of us have. But we all get our own songs. We I'm Janine Phoebe on a podcast, cat. <laughs> I'm Paul F. Tompkins, the podcast guest cat. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of dressed like a... He well, is I dressed mean, like a jellical cat already. Yeah. He's dressed like a Bustopher Jones. He's tour. a full Bustopher Jones. Yeah. yeah. He uh, goes into the table so and he says, give me the full Bustopher. How, how long are we going to wait into the show before we start deciding which character we are? <laughs> I, gotta, I think we have I to mean, we can do whatever you want, Stu. I'm, I mean, I'm just saying... I so think we, should we just do it now, Stu, about I, to get it off our... Yeah, I want to get... It's the, it's, the, it's the cat in the room. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i pretty clearly a rum-tum-tugger sort. <laughs> goes, without <laughs> say, goes without saying. I like to think of myself as a regular Skimbleshanks, you know, a railway cat. Wow. Oh, yeah, away yeah, tonight. Yeah. And what's the name of the... Your Gus the, the Theater cranky, Cat. cranky uh, barge cat. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, uh, that's... Growl Tiger? That My favorite character. Growl Tiger, and he does a slant rhyme no. that gets called <laughs> yep. out. That was such a surprise. I mean, not to jump ahead, but I was so happily surprised to see British, uh, like, crime movie feature uh, Ray Winstone <laughs> to show up. It was the moment Ray Winstone shows up a Grail Tiger, and I was like, is he going to sing a song too? And then he does. I was like, yes. Well, when he showed up, I'm like, is, is he going to kill somebody? Dan, I think you are very clearly Mr. Mistopheles, the cat who lacks confidence, but everyone believes in you know him. What? And in the end, he gets I don't, the job done. I was going to get to this later on, so I, uh, you know, I... I, I but I feel like since you've slandered me with that, I need to say. Why that, is that what? slander? Mistopheles is the hottest one in this whole yeah, movie. Yeah, but I <laughs> yeah. see. I got this kind of like real like nice guy energy from Mister Mistopheles. Oh, I didn't like. like yeah, he was yeah exactly. Really, like, oh, hanging yeah, out, trying to impress Victoria the whole time. Like, surely if I save her from a dog, she'll love me. And yeah, I, but when I didn't he care for that, when he starts like free, when he starts doing his thing, man, he's like flying and shit. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, He's making roses card. fly out yeah. of flying trombones. Okay, Dan, you know what you are? You're Monkus Trap, the narrator cat who's so boring he doesn't even get named in the movie. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. He can only say interesting things about other cats. That was his no curse. No discerning quality. Uh, he's, he's also there to him. lead Victoria, our 
the audience surrogate cat gently by the hand to see the next character. <laughs> I, I wish that she had a song that sh- where she was like, Victoria's an audience surrogate cat. <laughs> yeah. And I'll look at that. And I'll look at that. Like that kind of thing. What now, a, so Natalie, did we mention what we do on this podcast? Well, yet? hold on. Hold on. Natalie, just... Before we do that, more stuff. <laughs> yeah, before, we do... <laughs> before we do that, I also want to say I am Taylor Swift's Mont Valerina because uh, I just want to show up and do one song and think I'm really sexy but not be that good at dancing. <laughs> sort of no question. While other people dance around me well and I'm sort of like giving face while doing it but yeah. not actually doing a good job. She's yeah. animated I, strangely. Oh yeah, she's the only one with boobs. <laughs> and yeah, you know, that was it was it was weird that she suddenly showed up and was like, "Oh, cats can have boobs, huh?" All right, I guess that was in her contract. And Jenny, which cat are you? So I actually thought that you and I maybe were the mischief cats oh. because I oh, have a feeling Mungo we Jerry might be very obnoxious to work with. Yeah, that's true. Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I had a real it. problem what, listening to that song just because every time uh-huh. they said Mungo Jerry, I just kept thinking of the band that did in the summertime. And I was like, oh, I had to look it up later. I'm like, of course, because that's from the 70s. Mungo Jerry took its name from the T.S. Eliot poem, just like cats took those names from the T.S. Eliot poem. But I'm like, yes. okay, this is this is weird. It'd be like if one of the cats was just named Led Zeppelin <laughs> right in the middle of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like many of the characters in the early uh, issues of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure comic book, where there's a character named Ario Speedwagon, there's a character named Dio, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so uh, Dan, what do we do on this podcast now that we've talked about cat names for a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk about the naming of cats later on, I think, uh, too. But uh, right now, this is a podcast where we watch... A bad movie? Mm, and then we talk know. about it. Um, and, and this uh, is a movie that's currently in theaters, and we have all seen it at least once in the theater. And uh, we're going to be doing something a little different. Well, uh, we see a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Right? Yeah, I said yeah. that, Elliot. Mm, I didn't hear you say it. Well, you <laughs> constantly don't listen to me. but um, <laughs> How Mungo Jerry of you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. uh, what was I saying? Oh. You've derailed my train. Uh, I was saying that we're going to... That's not your job. That's why you can't be Skimbleshanks. (laughs) No, Skimbleshanks keeps that train on the track so he can tap dance along it at the time when cats are about an inch tall as opposed to other parts of the movie where cats are a foot tall. I saw saw a picture on the internet of the actor who plays Skimbleshanks, but it was a full-body nude, and that guy's ass cheeks are like two giant hams. Because he's a ballet dancer. Yeah. That's where his whole body, all his muscles are in his thighs and his glutes. Yeah, Yeah, which makes it a shame that they dress him up like a fucking Mario brother, right? (laughs) That he's one of the few cats that wears pants. I feel like... It was so horny for most of it, but then I feel like there were some bodies that they were like, if we just have this guy's ass out, it's like, yeah. we have to push it into PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> so they went as far as the other yeah. direction as they could, because he like kind of leaps into the movie like, wee! Yeah, he like leaps in, and he's in like so many clubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really felt like this movie was my monkey's paw wish to see Idris Elba naked. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's like, oh, did you want it like this? It's, I did it's, not. It's, it seems like a strange choice to me, ju- just jumping into that, that McCavity, the evil cat, who is, his trademark look is a trench coat for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. When it's time for him to do his big dance, he doesn't have it, and they're just like, uh, we'll just make him look like a naked guy with no penis. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's really insane. Well, also because the song, she just said that he's a ginger cat, but then they mm-hmm. make it Idris Elba's skin tone, and it's like, 
oh, I feel uncomfortable about all of this. Yeah. No one is as naked as Idris Elba is in this <laughs> that movie. Is, how no is someone going to be covered in so fur nude. and yet incredibly naked at the same time? He, I don't know. Yeah, he looks like he could do that move that that guy does in the Watchmen TV show where he lubes himself up and slides into a gutter. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dan, um, what was the thing you wanted to say? No, I just wanted to say that we're going to do things a little differently because uh, normally one of the three of us pr- pr- provides the synopsis such as it is. Uh-huh. But we have to give the uh, power of position to our guest, Natalie, Hello. who, uh, along with being a musical theater actress herself, was at the premiere of Cats. I was at the premiere of Cats, and I have also seen the movie four times in theaters now i've seen it under every sort of influence that i can be under uh-huh. um and so i really feel like it's my time to shine <laughs> and, and the reason we should explain that the reason that uh you guys are on the podcast for this episode is that you demanded to be on the podcast <laughs> yes. for this episode. as soon as the trailer came out we said when that's the, what has to happen when the trailer came out i think I think both of you were like, we need to be on this show. I think we conspired together. I texted Natalie when the trailer came out, and I was like, so we're doing the Flophouse about this. And then I texted you and said, hey, make note, when when Cats comes out, Natalie and I are jointly guesting on Flophouse. Yes. And now, and then it was beyond all of our wildest dreams. (laughs) (laughs) This is a backdoor pilot for Natalie and my podcast where we only talk about cats every week. Yeah. (laughs) We just go in depth on a different cat. Every single I, I week, love we that. go through the, the entire Jellicle history Gales. of the cat. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so tell us, Natalie, what is the tale of, pun intended, of cats? <laughs> How long well, is no, a cat first... tale? That is another thing the movie could not agree on. I mean, there's so much There's so much about the size and shape of cats. I wanted to ask, though, uh, before we start, should we, should we quiz Natalie about the premiere before or after we talk about the movie? Uh, I think I think maybe for those maybe we should do the plot first, yes, and then we right. should talk about Great. the premiere afterwards. Because I'm, I'm guessing mm. you're gonna we've already spent so much time referring to things that will be utter nonsense to anyone <laughs> yeah, who hasn't seen any, the movie, and is and really who has. nonsense to <laughs> yeah. people who have seen it. <laughs> okay, so we open on the sky, <laughs> the only thing large enough to contain Cats 2019. But what's that revealing itself to us amidst the stars? Sweetie is the face of a cat. The Jellicle Moon is out, baby. We plunge down through London of an indeterminate time period according to the libretto 1939 or the present or a time in space. 1939 is when T.S. Eliot wrote the Cats series of ah, poems. Okay. Because they Suddenly, keep referring to Queen Victoria and I was like, they have a car. So it can't be like really Queen Victoria time. But... Exactly. It's all a mishmash. And now so saying it's it's nineteen thirty nine and what the universe is what the film is saying is the greatest war in human history is about to break open. All yes. walls have been suspended. Cats now have human faces and hands yes. and can dance the night away. Well, and everyone has left town to prepare for that war, yes. leaving yeah, only yeah. the cats. And I mean, exactly. I think we've all learned that those all those laws are meaningless because McCavity's already broken them all. Go on. Every human. Every law. Hu- the first thing my boyfriend said when he we woke up this morning, like before anything else, he just goes. Every human law, Jenny. (laughs) And it's not just British laws. McCavity has broken the law of every country. Every human. Every... Every human law. Mm-hmm. McCavity has chewed gum in Singapore. Mm-hmm. McCavity has jaywalked. He went McCavity to Thailand has... and drew a mustache on the on a poster of yep. the king of Thailand. Mm-hmm. Very serious over there. 
He set so many things on fire. He's the, you know what? I bet McCavity, he was only doing it for research because he wrote one of those books they used to sell at Scholastic Book Fairs that are like 101 Crazy Laws. And they're like, <laughs> did you know you can't quack like a duck in Bedford, New York? That kind of stuff. I bet McCavity was just testing for that. Yeah. Just went through all of them. Okay, so we've established that it's in London and there's a, and the Jellicle Moon is out. The Jellicle Moon is out. Then a car pulls over, <laughs> someone <laughs> pops out, click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, go her heels, and you think those are going to be the signifiers of a human presence throughout the movie, <laughs> um, except for that most of the cats will randomly start wearing shoes midway through. <laughs> um, woman swings a burlap sack around, mm-hmm. and then she hurls it into the alleyway, and a bunch of cats start circling the little burlap sack. What is in the sack? What is in the sack? And then all of a sudden, a little white cat jumps out. Ooh, who is this? Her name is Victoria. Na- She's a Na- little white cat. Na- Natalie, yes. I think you're doing a disservice. When you just say cats, I don't think you are accurately representing yeah, what, we have what to, slams we have against to, your eyeballs. We have to take a moment or perhaps 15 minutes to talk about the way these cats look. And how it is a fundamental flaw in the conception of this movie. Or I would the say thing it is. That makes it perfect. Yeah, it is. It is both the serious flaw that ruins the film, and also, as you said, Natalie, the thing that rockets it to the next level of euphoria. That rather than people in the people in the in the show cats, I've never seen the yeah. show, but I've seen pictures of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. They just look, and I saw the commercials that played endlessly in the New York area. Cats now and forever at the Winter Garden. I saw those growing up, and it was like, okay, the people look silly. They look like WWF wrestlers that are supposed to be cat themed. <laughs> yeah. But instead, here they've—it's I guess you would call it what a Lovecraftian monstrosity. <laughs> <which is> like, <laughs> yes. Something that is neither cat nor human, but has the worst and also sexiest qualities of both. It's also just like nothing can prepare you for it. Because I saw the pictures. I'd seen like clips going in. But the first time you see it and you're really like forced to sit and interact with it in a storytelling context, it's the most horrific thing. And you just are like... Every everywhere you look, there's something else freakish. Like why why is there so much shoulder action? Yeah. Why are their hands like yeah. that? How come why? they're always posed so that their butts are sticking up in the air? Like uh, I think part of the problem is they went you've they went super seen a cat before. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was yeah, gonna say. True. That is very but, accurate to actual cats. Uh-huh. But the problem is with an actual cat, you just push that butt out of your face saying, get out of here with that. <laughs> Whereas when you see sexy dancer butts being stuck in the air, you're like, this ha- this brings a different context to the whole thing yes. that I'm not comfortable with. They Apparently they had to go through some kind of cat camp for training, yeah. and I think they, they went a little school. overboard with it. Because mm-hmm. there's there are a lot of, I'm like, there are tons of times in the movie where I'm like, they have nailed that aspect of cat <laughs> movement. But yeah, it is creepy to see a human being I, doing that. It is so much like just twitching there's also it really it made me realize that there's a such a thin line between uh cat movements and kind of like vogue kind of paris is burning style like <laughs> mm-hmm. pose dancing yep. so i was like uh, i was like this is basically paris is burning but with cats Although, instead of people like they're just all they're all <laughs> well, presenting when they themselves have, when they have lay twins <laughs> doing their actual dancing yeah, yeah. i'm like yeah. oh yes the, More of this in I the lo- Ball. <laughs> Get I, Billy Porter in here to judge all of the cats. Funny you should say that. I mean, don't you? What if Billy Porter had been pulled in to play McCavity? What 
a show this would have been. <laughs> and he just would have roasted all of them as he was taking them, <laughs> as he was poofing them into dust. Yeah. He would have had like just reeds on them instead of just going, Macavity! Or, <laughs> meow! <laughs> yes, yes, Macavity has, whenever he turns the cat into dust, he has a different catchphrase, yep. and each one is sillier than the last one. <laughs> when he just says meow, I really think my brain broke. Well, my favorite is when he goes, way. magic. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like saying the thing he's doing as he does it. Yeah, he's, <laughs> saying, he's saying bat and turning into a bat. I think a major flaw of the movie is that it's called Cats, and the people look like cats, and they're constantly singing about how they're cats, but the movie is like, we gotta keep convincing you that they're cats. Well, so yeah. times they'll just go, meow, meow. <laughs> like, like, and or put their hands behind their ear and it's like, I get it, they're cats. Like, take a break from being cats for a moment. When they make or Jennifer point, Hudson they have... crawl in the ground. <laughs> yeah. Ian McKellen was Ian McKellen's cat performance is like he took it up a couple extra notches. Oh. Feels no, we'll get to that. We, yeah, I we can. will. Okay, Him licking be. up the milk. Yep. Sir Ian McKellen yep. lapping meow, meow, up meow. milk <laughs> is the most upsetting so, thing I've ever seen. Committed I do want to. Oh, sorry, Sue. I, I just want to say the so this movie opens. We have uh, human cat hybrids walking around, <laughs> and I love that. Like the movie does not fuck around. It immediately throws you in. They start singing this Jellicle song that we're going to talk about, and like other Jellicles, yeah. The it's experiencing that with a first time audience was so much fun to feel the energy of people realizing what they were actually doing. <laughs> oh, this doing. is the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so much madder than you think from the start. And, and like, I, <laughs> I had this jaw open look that I can only liken to the reaction shots at the end of the producers when they're watching springtime for Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> And like I look over at Stuart and he has the exact same face on. And I like my journey with cats was like I had about fifteen minutes of that stunned face, then about like sixty or seventy minutes of hysterical laughter. And then like the la- the rest like half hour of the movie I was in something close to awe. Yeah, <laughs> you're just in tears because you're like, I've seen the face of God and it's yeah. a cat's face. Yeah. So I apologize. Natalie, we, so you've taken us about three minutes into the movie. Correct. So they're all saying about is, how they're jealous, is, right? But this is really because this is the imposed uh, narrative of the movie because cats notably like doesn't really have a plot. Like it literally is just cats coming forward. It's like the second act of the Nutcracker where everyone just comes forward and is like, here is me. Here's my thing. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the real Here's coup. how we dance in Russia. See you later. Here's yeah. how we dance in Arabia. See you later. Exactly. Kind of like the real coup of Tom Hooper's is that he's like, well, we're going to have a whole journey where we have our audience surrogate cat who is coming in because Victoria is just like one of the cats in the actual uh-huh. show. And you just like go into the show and the cats are probably prowling around the audience and it just starts with them singing Jellicle songs at you. <laughs> They're not doing it to and like the whole show of cats is Certainly that all of like them it. are on the same page <laughs> yeah. and you are an outsider who sucks so, and doesn't know what's going on. So it's like d- spoiler alert the end of this movie when Judy Dench sings a song directly at the audience and I was like sh- could she hear me laughing at her this Yes, yes. Yeah. But I yes. also feel like these like efforts to make it an understandable narrative end up being even more alienating. Oh, no, it makes it even worse. Because your brain, when when it's just the songs, like your brain gets into this rhythm of like, oh, okay, I'm watching a review. 
And then, like, someone tries to advance the plot, and you're like, whoa, 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 what? What <laughs> is this? Well, yeah. The, <laughs> the fact that you said that, uh, the, I think the uh, the moment that, that typifies what they should have been doing with the movie for me is when Rum Tum Tugger is singing, and then he just finishes, and Victoria's just like, whew, and then Buster for Jones just strolls out of nowhere, and is like, <laughs> and it's time for my song, Buster for Jones. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> have, there's so many moments where you're like, and now the movie will begin. Nope, Gimble Shanks is going to tell us what it's like to live on the train. That's, that's the best transition in the movie, because not only does he, like, not only does uh, Buster for Jones just sort of take her arm and walk her away, yeah. as if she's like he's like, "Now you listen to me." <laughs> yeah, he's like, like... Made a Tugger song." He just turns and runs down the street away from the camera. <laughs> well, no, because I think Grizabella is in between. I think he hisses at Grizabella yeah. at the end of his, yes. and then we get yeah. the moment of Jennifer Hudson being in a whole different movie from everyone yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, no, it felt like a good ten percent of the audience in our theater. Most everybody else was there to see it, uh, ironically. But there was a 10% of the people that were like, Jennifer Hudson's in a movie singing songs. I'm going to go see that. Yes. So anytime the very disrespectful audience were like trying to riff over Jennifer Hudson's performance, they were getting shushed, and rightly so. Yes, I believe so. I really think that Jennifer Hudson is good in the movie that she is in, and oh, I think it's I th- right that she's in a different movie because Grizabella is the outsider character, yeah, yeah, yeah. ultimately think, more I mean, so than Victoria. I don't know that there's any performer in this movie who does themselves an injustice. If they, They're yeah. all handed... Like bad material to work with, basically. But like everyone's trying their hardest. No one's no one's crapping out. Yeah. Everyone's trying to sell it. <laughs> Judy Dench finally gets her chance to be in Cats after missing her chance to be in the original London production Correct. of it. Like it's. I was like, everyone is really working hard. There's nobody who's like, wink. I know it's stupid. Well, it's a, I, it's Cats. I have a. But th- I had. <laughs> sorry, I have I a theory question. about what so you're saying. Is, not not having seen the stage musical, is the scene where Bustopher Jones gets hit in the nuts by a garbage can? <laughs> Absolutely is that, is that the not. Stage musical? That is not. In it. <laughs> oh, okay. Dan, what were you going to say? Well, I have, I, I have two things that are brought up by uh, uh, things you've said. One about how everyone like kind of acquits themselves as best they can. Like, I, I kept thinking during it, you know, not to borrow the uh, title of another popular podcast, How Did This Get Made? Right. And I, but, but, but it was the sense of like, okay, there is such seriousness of purpose from these actors. And I think that it's because, of course... They are acting in a stage production of Cats, not knowing that later on CGI fur will be <laughs> obscuring yes. everything that yes. they're, all the fine work that they're doing. So they they're taking it no very idea. seriously. How could they have known? Yeah, how no could way. they have known that's what it would look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. It's like is- it's like in, when Harrison Ford was filming the upcoming <laughs> film Call of the Wild, which we saw sure. the trailer for before Cats, and I feel like there must have been a moment where Harrison Ford went up to the director and was like. The dog's gonna look normal, right? <laughs> and the director's like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> I saw that trailer, and I'm like, "They know that dogs exist in the world, right? They don't have to have this crazy-looking fake the, dog." The trailers before our screening of it was Cats ri- was, it was originally called Scooby of the Wild. <laughs> the, the trailers before our screening of Cats it started with uh, the the Aretha Franklin movie uh, Respect. Then it went to In the Heights, and we're like, oh, "Okay, this makes sense." And then it goes to Call the Wild, and I'm like, uh, wait a minute. And then it goes to Sonic the Hedgehog, and at that point, the audience yeah. is going crazy. And then there are, there's also like some Christian movie about a rock musician, 
and also uh, it, it was lost in the blue whirlwind of the Sonic the Hedgehog train. <laughs> but Doolittle, they had Doolittle too. It was all the all the hits. Look, anything with animals or songs—that's what the cats people are there for. Now, Dan, to answer your question, how did this get made? I have a—I think there is a very rational case to be made for making a movie. This movie of Cats. Yes. Cats was a huge hit for a long time. It was the longest-running show in both London and New York. The cast is amazing. Even the people who are not famous are fantastic performers. I don't know why that they then dis- so on paper it's like this should be a hit, and yeah. then for some reason they were like, but first we're gonna slap some weird CGI well, crazy cat bodies I, I, on everybody. I have a but theory of- about this too. Oh, sorry, you go, Jenny, and then I'll. Oh no, so I well I sort of disagree that it should be a hit because like by its nature, Cass is basically a review. It's like a it kind of works as a stage show, but even then, like only sort of. But you like- can do. But you could do, or if they did it as a review movie. I think well, it might have worked as like a novelty. Here's how I think would have been awesome. I legit, and I'm glad they didn't. I'm so glad they came out with this awful monstrosity instead. Yes. But like, I think if they had done a really cool Fantasia-like animated movie where they were like trying really cool, interested, interesting like animated techniques and they got like cool like. Well, sure. Yeah, that's the good version of that would have been awesome. <laughs> like there are ways to have done this in a way that would have been a really good movie. It's just weird mm-hmm. that Tom Hooper was like, I have an idea of like a weird narrative to lay over, lay over this, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't have any other vision. Well, yeah. that's what I mean, that plays into my theory, which was just like the problem with this is like each successive uh, medium, this uh, material is given to us is less appropriate for what it is. Like it until, starts until out the VR performance. It starts out about soon. Mm-hmm. Well, it starts out these poems of like these whimsical like <laughs> character studies of cats, and it's like okay, whimsical poems about cats that makes sense. And then they're like, oh, let's make a musical out of it. I'm like, uh, that makes less sense. But I guess you could do it like a review and like. You know, the theatricality of being cats would work on the stage. And then they're like, let's make a big blockbuster movie about it, which is the worst thing to do with the material because, like, blockbuster filmmaking now is so literal. So, of course, they're going to be like, how do we make them look like real cats? Yeah. How do we, like, put a story in here? And then and next it'll be the Netflix series where it's a 10-episode season and they've got to, like, stretch that story out and everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I guys, mean, was... go on. I, I was just going to say, this is more or less high-budget hentai. <laughs> <laughs> that is what they succeeded at mm-hmm. making. Uh, so, uh, just so guys, what's a jellical cat? Yeah, well, they spend the whole song asking questions of what the jellical cat is um, because Victoria uh-huh. has appeared. Victoria has been abandoned by her quote-unquote family, or uh-huh. we don't know. And, she, and then all of these horrible, horrible-to-look-at CGI cats start just talking to her and screaming things about Jellicle cats, asking her if she's a Jellicle cat. And they're getting increasingly frantic and shrill over the course of the song. And she doesn't know if she is a Jellicle cat yet because in the (laughs) musical, they're all Jellicle cats. And we're like, all cats are Jellicle cats. And that's the whole thing. But in this, it's like, they're like the jets and the sharks. They're like, the Jellicle cats are like a gang of cats. And she doesn't know if she's part of it. Here's the way I I, th- I, fe- I, th- I understood it was Jellicle cats are like the mutants of cats. They've all got special powers, uh-huh. and there's good Jellicles and bad Jellicles, and they even like the way that the X-Men and their villains fight each other, but then they'll occasionally team up because, you know, they're all mutants. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what a Jellicle is. It's just like a cat that was born with a special extra power. For instance, some of them cause mischief but never get caught, and another one causes mischief and never gets caught. And yet another one does mm-hmm. mischief, but never gets uh-huh. caught. Yeah. And another one works on a train. 
<laughs> my my thing about the, like all these everyone says always says like oh they don't tell you what jellical means and I think it's everyone something more they spend most I, of the movie no, no. telling you that oh god damn it no, let me get like my thing out Peter like thing, one of the like that. big jokes the standard jokes about cats is like oh they say jellical all the time but they don't say what it means and like it's more insidious than that mm-hmm. like they <laughs> never stop telling you what it means but. Everything they say it means is just a thing that a normal cat does. That a normal does. cat does, correct. So yeah. you're like, wait, what makes it special? I don't know. Because don't know. the actual definition of Jellicle Cat in T.S. Eliot's version of it was it was just how his niece tried to say dear little cat. It was just her like little speech impediment mispronunciation of dear little cat, which is a thing she heard like adults say. And uh-huh. she tried to say it. And so it was Jellicle. And then... That comes back, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, after the movie thinks that the storyline we all care about is will Victoria become a Jellicle cat or not. (laughs) And so finally at the very end of the movie, after Jennifer Hudson has blown off in her little chandelier, um, Judy Dench says, Judy Dench turns to Victoria and she says, you truly are a <laughs> jellical cat. <laughs> and everyone in the theater usually is laughing too hard to know that right after that, Judy Dench says, a dear little cat. Ah. And then... Jennifer Jennifer Hudson finishes flying because yeah. she's flying forever. Our theater, wow, we're all at the end. Well, because you said what is the Jellicle Cat and everyone's saying the things of Jellicle Cat. Yeah, when, yeah. in our theater when she provide. when she announced Victoria was a Jellicle Cat, like people were freaking out. Like some, <laughs> some people started a wave. It was amazing, <laughs> high fiving each other. <laughs> Like somebody got up. Somebody got up and yelled, "She is not a jellicle cat." Yeah. I refuse to accept. One it. guy yeah. stormed out. He's like, "I gotta call my mom." Yeah, my fan <laughs> well, fiction says she wasn't jellicle. Yes, but basically With that's all- the plot that is introduced at the beginning of the movie mm. in the song "Jellicle mm. Cats." Is like now the storyline of this thing before the cat pageant of it all is. Will Victoria be able to join the Jellicle Cats? And at the end of Jellicle Cats, like everyone sort of scatters and Victoria does the thing where she's still singing the song, but everyone else is gone. Yeah. (laughs) Like you just learned it. Um, And that's when she turns and sees that Angelical Houston herself is standing there. (laughs) (laughs) But then McCavity appears and McCavity's like, oh, the ball could get dangerous. And then he disappears himself in a puff of smoke for the first Uh time. The first time he says magic Uh as he leaves. (laughs) Um, Just to tell you what you saw. So after that first crazy song, you're like, oh, this is probably going to calm down and make a lot of sense. (laughs) And then the immediate next song. Because the the, the first song has like... I think I know enough about cats now. And then all the cats come back and they're like... Cats have three names. Let me tell you about that. (laughs) Yes. And the second song, like, is the scariest part of the whole movie for me. Like, it really is the boat ride from Willy Wonka writ large, uh, in Uh my estimation, because it's just, like, weird talking. And then it ends with the word ineffable, which becomes a huge part of this movie as well. The word ineffable. Yeah, what was that about? uh, As a concept. Uh, There's... Sexy dancing during that part as well. Um, and then Monkus Strap, the narrator cat, comes forward who, who and is like, the Jellicle Ball. The yeah. <laughs> yes. 
But is this where he's like, I'm going to introduce you to some Jellicle cats? I'm yes, well, because he says, are you going to come? He says, are you going to come to the Jellicle Ball? And she's like, what's the Jellicle Ball? And then he says, the Jellicle Ball is where old Deuteronomy decides <laughs> mm-hmm. who yep. will be granted a new life. And <laughs> she's like, how does she decide? And then Mungastrap says, each cat will sing a song of themselves, who they are and what they do. And at this point, my boyfriend leans over to me and goes, Okay, dramaturgy slay. <laughs> because <laughs> that's never um, explicated like that in the show either. Like everyone just sort of starts saying, here is who I am and what I do. But to have Tom Hooper add uh, dialogue into the movie to think that that will make everything clearer when all it does is just sort of muddy the waters even more of like, oh, now that they're talking, like, is this supposed to be, like, naturalistic dialogue? Like, what's going on? But yeah. Wait, I have a who question. Who they are and what they do. <laughs> Point of order. Um, yes, they uh, all... yes, the chair recognizes Jenny. Uh, thank you. Um, the, the, they all start introducing themselves via song before they're at any kind of recognizable ball, and they frequently <laughs> yes. do it without old Deuteronomy present. Yes, <laughs> it's like, it's oh, like dress rehearsal. Why are they blowing it right now? <laughs> right? They're just doing it at Victoria, who's like a nobody. Why are they like completely wasting their song? Yeah, You're you right, need to be marking. That's my the... biggest problem. <laughs> yeah, I, sure. Everyone needs to be marking their songs because they're going to blow out their voices before old Deuteronomy gets there and is actually exactly able to make the yeah. choice. And I want to say yeah, something about the, this structure. The, 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 the and she, Elliot, oh, sorry, you, okay, go ahead, Dan. Elliot. You uh, sort of uh, fainted at it earlier, but I just want to say. So, as we've said, basically, e- basically every song is either "Let me tell you about myself" or "Here, let me tell you about this guy." Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and like, you or can, occasionally, let me tell you about cats. <laughs> yeah, and you can like logically know that that's the deal behind the movie Cats. Yep. Before going in, being like, okay, well, you know, I, my brain can handle that. But then once you go see it in a big budget movie, it feels so strange because it's like, it's like the first act of a movie never ends. Like they just keep like introducing a new character. Like, oh yeah, you know what, that guy. Don't worry about him. How about her? Like, and they just keep introducing new characters. And then there's no second act. And then there's yeah. like 15 <laughs> minutes of third act at the very end. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's kind of like oh. it, it's kind of like uh, Suicide Squad, which where like every fifteen minutes they reintroduce all the characters <laughs> with a musical sting. Yeah. Although this is the better version of that. Well, it's, Judy it's Dench like... constantly was sending dead animals. To the rest <laughs> <of the laughs> S- similar to similar to Suicide Squad on the same level, it's like a movie version of it's Ilo Calvino's If on a Winter's Night a Traveler, where every <laughs> other chapter is a new first chapter to the story. And you're and you're trying to find the second chapter. That's what cats is like. And it's you're right, Dan, because it's like okay, we're at the Jellicle Ball. We've met all the cats. Now she's gonna make her decision. Oh, here's Skimbleshanks. We've never seen him before. Himself. Oh, wait, here's Bombalorin. He's gonna tell us about Macavity. We already know about, but I don't know why he's not singing but about he himself. And it's weird because most of these characters, as well, you don't see again, really. Yeah. So they just you come don't in. see them before or after. <laughs> And Elliot turned to me like a few times and was like, we are 10 minutes in or two hours in. I have no idea. <laughs> There's truly no way I'm I, I, I want to uh, I want to admit this. Like, uh, you in no way need this to uh, to enjoy this movie. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you have a you know problems with substances, you probably shouldn't. But I had an edible before seeing this movie. You don't need it. But I will say that the moment that... I started Was that giggling. For our 420 uncon- screening we went to. Yeah, that's <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> I think the programmer was having a laugh. <laughs> the moment I first started giggling uncontrollably, and just genuinely couldn't stop, was thinking about 
the, these introductions and imagining if like that's how I like life went for me. <laughs> like if I met a new person, they were like, "Hey, I'm Mumbly Peg, the scullery human." Like deal? my deal is oh, no, this. I'll tell you for nine you, minutes. You'd be starting a new job and be like, "Well, tell us about yourself, Dan. I'm Dan McCoy, a glum kind of fellow. Sometimes I'm angry and sometimes I'm mellow." And yeah. I'd be like, "Yes, perfect." No, not, not to stop you. You don't have to tell me you're extra. I already know it. <laughs> The thing about all these cats is that they can tell us whatever they want. As far as we've been shown and not told, they are exclusively self-introduction cats. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's all they do. Also, I'll Wait, say, th- if you don't do edibles often, uh, I took an edible the second time I saw it, and when it all hits you at once, um, for me, personally, <laughs> I just became very aware of uh, my mortality. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I just sort of was like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna die from being too high at cats," and that's what my family is gonna have to say at my funeral. Is that what she was too high at cats and she died from Uh, it? You're like, I think I'm gonna not survive the next time that Rebel Wilson as Jenny Any Dot scratches her crotch on camera. Yeah, Uh or I don't think I'm gonna survive when Chekhov's skin suit. (laughs) Oh God! (laughs) So yeah, let's go to her. So so they're talking. They're like, let's meet some other cats. Yes. And I think her introduction is basically like, do you want to see one of the cats that's getting yep. ready for the ball? And then yeah. we go to Rebel Wilson, who is a Gumby cat, which they never really say uh-huh. what that means other than that she like hangs out during the day and everyone thinks she's lazy. And then when everyone goes to sleep, she recruits all of the mice and the beetles to be like a little servant fleet yeah, for yeah. her. And she and she teaches them how to sing and dance and she manages to make a dance troupe out of some child mice, and this is the that most are disturbing too small. visual in the, the whole The mice movie. are too small compared to who, how big the cats are in this yeah. part. Yeah. Uh-huh. So bizarre. And and I was like, so she goes to like a stove or something. So and wait a minute. And there's they, all have, mice. they all have and human like, faces. <laughs> what do humans child- look like? What if they went to a statue and it, the human had like a monster <laughs> face? Oh, yeah. It's Eye of the Beholder. It's the Twilight Zone Eye of the Beholder. <laughs> and uh, I, I, they kept thinking of the lady in Eraserhead who lives in the radiator and sings the Heaven song. <laughs> and I was like, I will show that to my son before I show him these weird baby mice that <laughs> live in a yes. stove. Well, there's sequences in this where like the like they've just superimposed a strip of uh, these these people in CGI cockroach costumes marching across the screen. God. And then you have these giant big cat heads in back. <laughs> like, that's the back layer of it. And it's as wacky and as, like, sort of collage an image as you would see in, like, Hausu or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just mind-blowingly strange to look at. <laughs> so the the movie continues to be on hard mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we and, talk about just a second, the shot when she, like, the Beatles come out and then it randomly goes upside down in this way that feels very, like, eighth grader doing his first, like, film project. Yeah, no, it's like an 80s video and there's There's a scene where she is singing into something and I can't tell if, it is. Is, it, is it a tail? Is it a length of intestine? It's <laughs> <Yeah>. pink. 
I don't know what's going on. Because no, yeah, yeah, like, she sings She's into like, her tail later, and it looks different <laughs> from what that is. It looks like an umbilical cord. The rest and of the I, movie, I was like, really looking perplexed. for this for this pink cat. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a real Tetsuo of the Iron Man feel to this whole sequence, culminating when she unzips her skin and yes. underneath is wearing like a, a music note sequined <laughs> vest and hot pants, and it's like, whose skin were you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it your was it your sister Jenny when we walked out who was like, oh she's like she's like Buffalo Bill and yes. she kills other cats? You know and what? I, skin I, suit I, I guess that's the second way to skin a cat. I, yeah. I, I, I've always oh, been man. told there's more than one, but it really seemed like there was just one way. But yes. I guess <laughs> uh, now, of course, this we move on from that musical number uh-huh. to the plot, which is that Rum Tum Tugger is also in the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Derulo appears and he says that was boring. It's pretty old fashioned. He has a British accent because all of yeah. them have to have British accents. Yeah. You know what? Mm-hmm. I loved what he was doing. Honestly, yeah. I, I did too. I loved it. that arrangement of Rum Tom Tucker as like uh-huh. a sort of a prince vibe. I did too. Like James Brownie, like yeah. a little bit of that. I I like uh, it was weird though. Milk? His... Nothing better. <laughs> yeah, and then he starts pouring nice. cream all over everybody. All over the women. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he takes them all to a milk bar, and all of a sudden, all of these cats are just writhing under milk hoses. <laughs> they um, are guzzling milk like Luke Skywalker at his hermitage. It's yeah. just like <laughs> it's just getting all in their fur. It must be so gross. Oh man, it's so great, and it's so bad for cats. But whatever, they yeah. love it. And the the thing is, there was. <laughs> Uh, is this where we should talk about how they minimized all the actors' uh, crotch areas? Or? Yeah, I think Jason Derulo. <laughs> he was sure, the one who famously to, yeah. like argued that they like shrank his bulge, yeah. which thank God. Yeah, because wow. it's too big. Based on that, no, Instagram I'm just saying like like dese- try to make them less sexual. Is all yeah, I'm saying because there's enough stuff moving in my face. <laughs> no, clearly, clearly Tom Hooper is a butt guy because all sorts of crotchal or chestal genitalia or secondary sex characteristics has been shrunk to almost non-existence so that we can focus more on the on the double <laughs> moons of their butts just <laughs> bobbing up and down in front of the camera constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Tons of butt stuff and then in the middle of Rum Tum Tugger when Victoria like does her leg extension at him and there's just a close-up of him staring at her foot and then it goes back to the like it, the camera cuts away from that and then goes back to her foot in his face as he's singing victoria when and he's right. about to suck her toes that was yes nuts. yes yes it was I, very tarantino now we said that we liked the arrangement here but i do have to say something about the music uh-huh. and that is that you know, I am. I I know Elliot is a proponent of Jesus Christ Superstar. I am not a a big Andrew Lloyd Webber fan in general. No, I think Jesus Christ Superstar is the only Andrew Lloyd Webber I can legitimately say I love. Yeah. Yes. And- I think that there are some good songs in this show. I mean, at least like the melodies are catchy, but for catchy. me, the- some of them, some of them are just like this is just some words. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. But like the instrumentation, like I this is like such an expensive movie but the way they do it it sounds like a carousel is farting on a synthesizer like it's like i really admire that they kept the electronic synth yes. sound in so much because oh, yeah. like that set not having seen cats on stage again only knowing it from the tv commercials that says cats to me it's like that <laughs> 80s synth sound and like i'm like you know what that's. I'm sure there would be a lot of mad musical theater people if you yes. took the synths out of cats and i i will say i'm gonna drop a name 
That mm-hmm. is exactly what Mr. Lin-Manuel Miranda said when it started. He was like, I'm so glad that they're doing all of this since. I'm so glad. Because it doesn't sound, I, I feel like weirdly this score is like such a product of 1982 mm-hmm. that to try and like beef it up, I feel like that would sound weirder almost is if they rearranged the orchestrations to be not synth heavy at all if they like i'm just trying to make them fancier yeah i'm gonna say two words auto-tuned cats we don't need that i'm (laughs) glad that they didn't do any of that stuff they didn't modernize it too much there's a i have a question or just i have another point because we brushed by this and i'm sorry to derail the conversation but it's (laughs) it's bothering me uh the the milk bar Uh they're in london yes Mm -hmm. but they're also in an all cats world yeah, yep. all the Everything signs are cat, cat puns. Themes. There's a cat casino across the street, mm-hmm. and yes. there's post wanted posters for a cat yeah. for McCavity. McCavity. Right, but they were Moriarty during the day. Yeah, during oh, the day right. they were Moriarty. I think world. the because it like it's Moriarty, and then it goes dark in the middle of Jellicle songs, and then it kicks back, and it's McCavity. So I think in the world of cats, we're supposed to believe that after dark. It becomes Cat World. Wait, but mm-hmm. during the day, Sherlock Holmes is real. Well, that's well, so that's another <laughs> yeah. that's another nod to the T. S. Eliot stuff. I was doing my research a little bit too because I'm just I was like I didn't realize how in depth the Wikipedia articles on almost every cat except Buster Jones who does not get his own Wikipedia article, which is crazy. <laughs> no, but that, uh, he's just a cat who likes Maca- to eat garbage. <laughs> that Macavity is very much T. S. Eliot's play on Moriarty. Like that, that's his joke. Like he was inspired by Moriarty for that character. And so like to have a Moriarty poster become a McCavity poster, it's another little wink to the people who know the cat oh, story. Oh, right, because Mac- Moriarty is always like doing crimes then going, crime! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And th- th- it's all based on the old Sherlock story, the uh, the case of the disappearing dust dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I and say also w- Moriarty's sorry. body is covered in fur and he has no penis. Yeah. Mm. Can I say one more thing about uh, the it's music? your podcast, man. Go ahead. Is that uh, I do think that the way everything is mixed together, I don't know what it is. A, like, I think it's partly the singing, partly T.S. Eliot's uh, poetic language, which a lot of which is kept. Uh, I can't understand a lot of what the cats are singing. No, never. So, like, their whole deal is, like, let me tell you about y- you. But, like, I just have to guess from what, like, the, the, the visions of, like, the what I'm seeing visually on the screen. Yeah, it's very hard to make out the lyrics a lot of the times. So you're just seeing, like... Rum Tum Tugger just kind of like dancing and girl cats going, ah. And I'm like, I guess he's a he's a Don Juan cat. I yeah, know. I mean, that's the thing. They all have like one thing. So you get what yeah. it is, but it's still. I I really it's can't like wait for the, uh, I really yeah. can't wait for this to hit streaming so you can just slap on those closed captions. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I'm going to correct something I said earlier. I said that the best part is the transition between Rum Tum Tugger and Bustopher Jones. Looking back on my notes, I somehow <laughs> forgot that Grizabella shows up between those two characters. She does indeed. And mm-hmm. sings the little like condensed early version of Memories just to give us a taste of it. Right? Yes. Well, she. I think this is actually not the preprise of Memory. I think when she first oh, appears, this is the weird recitative moment no. where she's like, <laughs> she walks and she's doing a thing and her eye twists. And she- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, right, Natalie, right. I'm very curious. Is preprise an actual word? because that's what I wrote in my notes but I didn't know I whether think it... that's how that's how I've always heard it all right referred to interesting so I think you just know things Dan oh wow great and and so why do the other cats not like Grizabella just because she has the stink of failure about her no or it's is there... the double snot rivulets she was <laughs> yeah, uh, she does constantly have two rivers of snot she was a sex worker with McCavity <laughs> under McCavity oh, wow. I feel like that's the vibe that they were 
they yeah. were trying to give oh, us that she yeah. like went off with McCavity. Uh, oh. She like was the glamour cat, which I don't know what her job was even when she was the glamour cat because they seemed like to be like she like was she's, the glamour cat. Then she fell on hard times cat. and yeah. yeah. As glamour cat, she was the cat in the Fancy Feast commercial who ate out of the crystal goblet, and that's mm-hmm. what her song would have been about. I'm the glamour cat eating out of crystal. Everybody, top that still. <laughs> You know, this, this falls into my other favorite Angela Weber thing, which is the part in Rainbow High where people just list whatever they're going to do for Ava Perel. Oh, yes. One of them just goes, glamour. <laughs> yes. And also someone in Rainbow High just goes, magic. And magic. I'm like, when yeah. does Ava Perone learn magic? What? <laughs> She's doing sleight of hand. I don't know what's going on. So I, I really wanted the moment where Victoria, like Victoria clearly part of the, clearly telegraphed, she's going to be the one who allows Grizabella to redeem herself because she is nice. And, but I wanted everyone to be like, no, don't you get it? Grizabella was Hitler's cat. That's why we don't <laughs> like her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't know everything about Grizabella. Is you this, just got here. Is this when Victoria sings the new song? No. Okay. No, this no, that's much later. Fir- now but when- this is when they force jennifer hudson to crawl away even though no one has been crawling you know a lot of people talk about how she's like snotty while she's singing she's like there's a lot of and like that you know i mean she does an amazing job singing i'm not like she's great in it but like Mm-hmm. I do think that Tom Holland has made or Hooper. Hooper, sorry, I keep doing. Although yeah, you can Tom drag him into this, yeah, yeah. why not? Maybe Tom Holland stopped by for the day, and Tom Hooper played Spider-Man for a day. I don't know. No, I, I do think this is a directorial ch- choice from Tom Hooper, who's probably like, okay, the one thing that everyone thought was great in my Les Mis was with Anne Hathaway was crying so much singing "I Dreamed a Dream." So we got to really cry up this memory. Like we got to mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. Put and people love it, the, the Viola Davis moment, because Lynn turned to me and was like, her snot. And I was like, yeah, they're giving her a Viola Davis moment. It's just yeah. that this movie is bad. And so every like little minute detail we are like dissecting. But I weirdly think that if this movie were being generally perceived as good, we would love her snot and be like, oh, she's so raw and in it and yeah. like doing yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah. Here's, why, here's why I disagree. I think you're right if it was real snot. I kind of suspect it's CGI snot. Ooh. It wow. is such perfect dual twin rivulets down mm-hmm. her face in a way that I've never seen in a human being. And I'm like, I think they put some computer snot on her face to make it like look more raw. Oh, you know? that would bum me out so hard. Well, all of our but VFX also, listeners, please uh, yeah. chime in and let us know. You know, again, I'm talking completely. I have no idea. I'm not a VFX cat, so I don't know particularly. <laughs> but while we're back to the CGI mistake, I, there was something that I forgot I wanted to say before, which is that like, uh-huh. the, you know, there's a lot of dancing in this movie. A lot of like people doing real dancing who like I presume at the time were on set doing amazing things with their bodies. But then they paint a bunch of CGI fur over it, and it all looks like it's just badly rendered animation. You know, like yes. it immediately ruins the work of those dancers. You're just like, oh, that looks so fake and weird. I don't, I don't know necessarily because there were two, there were two sequences in the movie when we went to see it. Jenny, I just saw it last night. There were two sequences when the audience stopped laughing, yeah. and it was just the silence of an entertained audience. And those were both big dance numbers. And I'm like. Uh, there was there were those there were a couple of moments where I was like this is really good dancing and if they had just let the dancing yeah. live well, on its own the, like the cockroach well, dance, right? was it Skimbleshanks tapping was that one of them because one was, was Skimbleshanks for... tapping and the other one was there's a long wordless dance when the Jellicle ball is starting and it starts out funny and then you're like oh no like these are really good dancers that are all like taking their turn dancing and yeah 
and it's like, oh, this is good. Like, dance is powerful. And but like, those are both. I was like, oh, this movie shouldn't have words in it. It should just be dancing. Yeah. But also, those are both specifically more grounded dance sequences than a lot of the ones. Yes, they're yeah, not leaping around through the air. Yeah. Because also the Jellicle Ball, <laughs> the Jellicle Ball, when it starts, it's like shot and the CGI is in a way where it looks like they're floating and so it yes. feels really CGI'd but then it gets to a point in it where then like lay twins are in like sneakers for their yeah. featured moment of it and then it feels really real because obviously like they have shoes on they're on the floor so all of this is like them doing these things and uh-huh. and then after that it get, it gets a little more grounded but I feel like it's Whenever it's the cats at the whims of Tom Hooper's CGI, <laughs> yeah. it looks so <laughs> fake that you're like, this isn't dance anymore. Yeah, yeah. It starts. It starts to. It starts to be like the uh, old man character from the Six Flags commercials, yes. <laughs> where you're just like, this isn't how this guy would really well, dance. Come and on. there will be moments where like they have people doing stuff that they couldn't do in life, and they've just like mapped a face onto something, and like that face like. Like sort of shimmies around where it should be, but <laughs> is never quite yeah. at the right place. Yeah, it kind of it kind of swims around the head. Yeah. It's like the uh, the yeah, like when, in, uh, <laughs> in Zadoichi the Blind Swordsman. Yeah, or when uh, Christopher Lee battled Yoda those times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so, so anyway, McCavity uh, appears after after Grizabella is banished by the group. McCavity appears in Magic's Away. Rebel Wilson. poofs her into dust we don't know where she went yet Uh and then james corden is around and doing his big song about how he loves to be fat and eat Uh trash out of garbage (laughs) and they missed a real opportunity here to do the thing that heathcliff would do where he would take a whole fish and put it in his mouth and then pull out just Mm, the bones like why did you do that tom come on that uh, I also like want to say that uh, when you know Rebel Rebel Jones and uh, James Gordon have a lot of moments. Rebel in, Jones, oh, did God. you combine Rebel, her with Felicity Jones? Uh, <laughs> Rebel Wilson and James Gordon have a lot of moments in this uh, where they are clearly like just ad libbing a joke, uh-huh. and they'll do this joke, and the camera will just hang on them for a while, <laughs> <laughs> like they're yeah, expecting a, uproarious a, laughter from the audience. <laughs> In an audience full of people, yeah, exactly. It's just going to be wave after wave of laughter, and you don't want them to miss any of those great yeah, they lyrics. Don't, they don't want the laughter to step on the very well-enunciated lyrics that are about to show up. <laughs> and uh, and then and then McCavity takes Bustopher Jones, yes, too. Yes, yeah. McCavity takes Bustopher in a way where he appears with more trash food in a garbage can. Now, and, like, even though Bustopher has just eaten so much trash food in a garbage can, <laughs> this trash food in a garbage can looks... <laughs> so much more sumptuous and so he disappears into it and i think this one mccavity just says meow <laughs> yeah yeah i think so he really yes, says it in that Flophouse house cat cadence, too. Uh-huh. I was yep. really excited uh, about that. Yeah, yeah. I actually, oh, I actually got a check in the mail uh, from Tom Hooper. <laughs> uh, now, that, now that we've established McCavity is sealing these cats, it's time for the plot to start. Time to get on the hunt and stop McCavity from kidnapping any more cats, right? That's the next thing that happens. No, Elliot, I'm so sorry so, to announce that now it's Mungo Cherry to Rumble Teaser. <laughs> <laughs> I regret to inform you. Not, oh, not, so not to pump the brakes too much on this oh God, on this roaring train of yeah. a podcast, but at this point, during uh, Buster Jones' song, we actually see Rum Tum Tugger, who had introduced himself previously, and he had run away. Do you think he was running away from the cavity so he didn't get dusted? Like he's the only one. He's the only cat who. He's the only Jellicle cat who introduced himself and doesn't get disappeared. What do you think, hmm. gang? 
Oh yeah. I think you. I think you've put more thought into it, Stuart, than anyone involved. In <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just because uh, I'm well, kind of a rum tum dugger myself. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're talking McCavity, I do want to say that Idris Elba has been handed a thankless chore. Uh, by being given the idea that he has to yell a catchphrase as he disappears, <laughs> I love but he that. gives it his all. <laughs> he really goes for it. Look, it's, if they're gonna yeah. sell those McCavity talking dolls, they need things for it to say when you pull the string. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at the end of Bustopher, after uh, Bustopher has been disappeared by McCavity, all of the other cats have sort of scattered, and once again, Victoria is sort of alone. And the only people she's left with, the only cats she is left with, are Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, who like sort of take her under their wing and say, "We're going to show you our little neck of the woods." And they are house cats, but they're terrors to the people mm-hmm. who own them. And they do a whole song that's slinky and, and weird about yeah, how they love to. I don't care for the melody of this. No, song. it's very oh, bad. So and the, it, this is a departure from the show version. The show version is a big like vaudeville acrobatic number where they're yeah. doing they're doing like double cartwheels on each other they do like three cartwheels where they're holding each other's it, it's like a whole <laughs> mm-hmm. deal and i really recommend you watch it this is my biggest problem with this movie is that they changed this <laughs> melody because this one is a funeral dirge pace yeah it is just so slow and it boring and and it it sounds weird ugh. each time they go mungo jerry and rum Pull teaser. <laughs> like they got, they've got to try so hard to stretch out the word to I match know, the that's amount the tease of space. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's true. And also, it's very. They rumpled. want Mungo Jerry to be like a Jason Statham type. So clearly, like he just keeps being like, yeah. "No pictures, right?" <laughs> <laughs> this song yeah. did inspire the best uh, audience talk in my second uh, screening, and this is a two-part joke. So prepare yourself. Great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a woman yell just like in exasperation goes. They're three inches tall. Look at the baseboard. And then there's a laugh. And then she reconsiders and goes, well, six in Park Slope. And I'm like, what great local humor you have. Yeah, yeah that's great. The, there's the moment. So they're festooning uh, Victoria with jewels. And those, yes. those very jewels that she thought might buy her happiness instead form some kind of a cage and tie her to a bed. Yes. They chain her to a bed. Oh, God. It is so sexual. It's like a very Vicky Cristina Barcelona situation where, like, it's the part where Scarlett Johansson becomes the third to Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. Yeah. Like, they're clear. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a no-go for you. And then as soon as they're... there comes the bark of a dog. Uh-huh. Which, oh, no. and we, obviously, we the question wondering. is... What does that fucking dog's face look like? Yeah, he had the same wonder. Does it look like a person too, or is it just a regular dog? Like, I don't know. It's a reverse thing. It's a human body and a dog face. Whoa, yeah. that would be so creepy. Cool, it like knows, a dog boy. Nude, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh man. The um the other thing is this is the scene where I think it really clicked into place how strange the proportions were because she's got like a watch as a collar, which okay, I'll buy that for a cat. But she also has rings, like human rings, as bracelets. Yes. And they're huge on her. Yes. <laughs> like, how, yeah. How, how big, big is, is that person's fingers? Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think. And how small are their wrists? <laughs> I think that if this was like a stage design idea on stage, like, okay, we're going to create this kind of fantastical world where, like, we're going to have different stage, like, 
pieces be different sizes. It's your classic Gilda Radner little girl type yeah, thing, you know. Yeah, that would be fine because it's like this fantastical universe. But like they're constantly interacting with so much stuff in this movie. And the problem is the audience knows what size a cat is. Yeah. The audience <laughs> has seen cats. And now there's some but there's cats. Like, it, so, it is like you, you expect at any moment a cat could fit through the eye, through the shoelace hole of a shoe and then suddenly be as tall as a building. And the, and the movie would be just like, deal with it, whatever. But there are like three instances where a character interacts with a fork. And every time the fork is a different size. Yeah. Well, well, forks come in different sizes, Jenny. Oh, you're right. Oh, man. It was like the salad fork. And the, yeah. you know, one of those big serving forks and oh, then like wow. a trident that Poseidon left behind. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That left behind? So what was he doing there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were just boots and a trident. Behind. Poseidon was whisked away to the heavens. Oh, my God. I have to assume the cavity was like, Poseidon. And just turned him into yeah. dust, you know? So, oh, because uh, here's where we... Victoria is like chained to the door. She cannot get out because as soon as the dog, the threat of the dog uh-huh. happens, Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser just leave her. They leave her and they're like, bye, bye, bye. And they just laugh. And then magical Mr. Mistopheles appears because in this movie, there's a love story between uh-huh. Victoria and magical Mr. Mistopheles, which I'm fine with because I think magical Mr. Mistopheles in this movie is so hot. He has like a Robert Pattinson as Cedric Diggory vibe. Like he doesn't sure, know how yeah. hot he is yet, yeah. but you can tell he's a little weirdo. He's also kind of <laughs> dressed like Jesus and Godspell though. Yeah, yeah, and his fucking yeah, song sounds like Godspell. Yeah. Um, uh, and so Magical Mr. Mustafa rescues her by throwing, a, by magicking a dog bone out of nowhere. Not the bone of a dog, but a bone that a dog would <laughs> like. I mean, we, we, we can't tell you until that's not actually the case. <laughs> They, like, clearly wanted Eddie Redmayne for that part so bad. Oh, of course. Do it. But, like, he is completely... Which is too bad because that's a great name for a cat <laughs> yep. in the movie. I'm Eddie Redmayne, and I'm the cat that is okay or, in the one or... movie, and then in other movies I'm not so good. Or Domino Gleason. He would have... Yeah. That's a good cat name. Uh, Eddie Redmayne so... is just himself as a cat. <laughs> <laughs> After that is when we finally find out where McCavity has been taking all these cats, right? And I apologize yes. if uh, if listeners can hear there's some crying going on outside the door due to a baby, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Imagine those on. cries are from a dog yes. barking at Victoria and yes. magical Mr. Mistopheles. Just don't start imagining that that baby is a chicken and strangle it, Elliot. That's that's all I ask of you. Oh, oh mash it? Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Do a real uh, so, farewell goodbye man there. So, uh, we're, so we're, we go we're out gen- to a barge, all these a barge on the Thames where McCavity has been magicking his competition for the Jellicle Ball. And we find out that that is the reason he has been magicking in the way he wants to be the one that is chosen to go to the heavy side layer. And he wants to make sure that all the competition is being wiped the out. What? Uh, oh, the heavy side layer. Okay, what's that? Uh, <laughs> it's where the cats go to be granted a new life. Um, it is death i believe mm-hmm. they're just flying up there um but they believe they will be granted a new life it's very sort of heaven's gate cult oh, vibes okay. cool. um they're gonna get their very popular in the 70s new balances it's gonna be incredible <laughs> yeah. um but yeah we we find that out rebel wilson and james corden are there together so that they can do a tag team ad lib <laughs> situation. Yeah. Uh, Wait, and then, but then we get to meet we get to meet Grell Tiger. Uh-huh. Yes, Grell <laughs> Tiger, the most unexpected song of the night. <laughs> My yes. favorite song in the entire thing. <laughs> yes, uh, it is twenty seconds long because he he says like 
to destroy my evil names on the journey of the times. <laughs> and then it's immediately stopped by James Corden going, and I think it's Thames. It's Thames. That doesn't rhyme, see? Mm-hmm. So, blah, blah, blah. and then the whole thing is stopped. But then James Corden gets his little head. <laughs> bored into. <laughs> bored, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bored into by Growl Tiger. Um, and it's just, it's it's a delight. Growl Tiger's song is like four minutes long in the stage version. <laughs> and I, but yeah. I just love that. They just they completely abandoned that. Down, yeah. Also, I will say, uh, apparently a bit of James Corden ad lib, like the best j- bit of James Corden ad lib got deleted from the movie, which is that apparently his biggest ad lib right after Growl Tiger started doing that is that he went, wait, are you just introducing yourself? I just did that. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't leave it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they'd be worried that people would be struck from their cat's reverie and stumble out of the theater immediately. (laughs) Taken out of the world. Um, So we now know where they're being magicked off to. We go back to Victoria. Victoria has been rescued by Mistopheles, who takes her back to Monkey Strap, the narrator cat, who is boring and has no discerning qualities. Um, And Monkey Strap is like, where have you been? And old Deuteronomy is almost here. And... Baby, there's a fog, and coming through that fog is Miss Judy Dench, yeah. Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> she is appearing, and when it pans out and you see her little legs, it's so unsettling. <laughs> it's it's really Funny upsetting. Her human hand like, with a wedding ring on it is in it, full view. Yeah. It should be like an epic moment, but then they cut back and show you how tiny she is and how much distance she has to walk. And you're like, so is everybody what just standing around watching giant this old fur coat she's wearing? Yes. Yes. And this is also the first time where I noticed like how weird the sound mixing of the movie is because they will randomly what Tom Hooper is so obsessed with reaction close ups of people. But then he will have the sound mixing also turn up their weird harmony line. Mm -hmm. So like you're watching Monkey Strap greet old Deuteronomy, but his part is this weird tenor line. And it's just like, just don't don't. Turn his up in the mix. Just keep mm-hmm. it. Oh, that's it's a group never number. better Chill than out. Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. When yes. Rum Tum Tugger is like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, yes, giving yes. The that's the strangest tenor. Well, he'll yeah. also do the, he did the strangest thing in the first song, uh, the, the Jellicle songs for Jellicle Cats, where he would just like cut abruptly to someone else singing in a completely different style very quickly and then back to the main melody and it's oh. like and it's like this moulin rouge frenzy yes. <laughs> my favorite i'm sorry my favorite part of jellicle songs is when they do the two others who do and then it cuts to idris elba and he just goes what what? <laughs> <laughs> and you think for a second because then the continuation of the thought is like two others who do what Jellicles can and Jellicles do but instead it just feels like there's a huge ensemble moment and then Idris Elba just goes what? Yes. Yeah, it's, it feels like Idris Elba has stumbled on the movie that he's in and he's like yes. hold on a second it's like oh that's the audience serving oh, it yes absolutely yeah, uh, yeah, yeah the, audi- so- the audience is Taking cats away <laughs> after they've been introduced. 
So we're finally at the Jellicle Ball we're at this point. Finally right? at the Jellicle Ball. It's but like they so weren't all Jellicle Balling before. Like why nope. were they introducing themselves <laughs> to get to the heavy side layer? Just in the... that wasn't part of it. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the like. It's not. That was gibberish. That was the like tailgate party before the, the <laughs> Jellicle Ball. Well, it's what they've always said. How do you get to the Jellicle Ball? Practice. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, Buster Jones and Jenny Annie Dots are not getting chosen for reincarnation. <laughs> they, they might as well just burn their song early. <laughs> No, no, they're going to fall into the river and get sucked up the chocolate pipe. <laughs> they never really explain what like the um, the qualifications are for getting to the heavy side layer either because Buster for Jones, as we've established, his song is just, I'm fat, I like to eat, and like, right. it is the entire thing. Well, I, I think it could be in, like, in defending your life when they're basically saying, like, you didn't make the most of your life. You had all these opportunities to make the most yeah. of it, and you held oh. back. And Buster's like... I never held back. I saw something I wanted to eat, and I ate it. I enjoyed life to the fullest. Give me another one, please. <laughs> so that's Tom the Tiger's game he's playing. Also saying that. Well, and all, well, I think it all comes down to the mystery of faith. That, uh, that, <laughs> that being sa- being yeah. saved by the Lord is not your choice. It's the Lord's choice, and the Lord is mysterious and operates according to Old Deuteronomy's own arithmetic that mm-hmm. mortal cats cannot. In hope to penetrate, except that in the end, she picks the most obvious cat that we all thought yeah. she was going to pick. Please, so. Old Deuteronomy is her father. Call her Old Dute. <laughs> as yeah, old Dute. As, as yeah. We remember when, when Old Dute was crucified between those two criminals and said, you too shall dine with me in heaven tonight. Yeah. Hey, why'd, why'd, she say, why'd she bring those criminals up to the heavyside lair with her? I don't know. That's the mystery of Old Deuteronomy. I do like the idea of calling her Old Dute because that's going uh, to get the teens into it, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it's the heavyside lair. It's more kind of a Buddhist thing where you, have to, you just sort of have to unburden yourself of the things of this life. Uh-huh. And the last thing that Grizabella gets rid of is her pain. And that, that allows oh, her I to... See. Ascend oh, to the heavy okay. side. Oh. And then once they get to the heavy heavy side layer, they their collar is weighed against a feather, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. And and if they don't, if it doesn't work, then wait, Dan, don't look behind you. There's a cat. <laughs> Watch out! It's about to start <laughs> singing. Archie's my name. And Archie's and making muffins. Game, on I interrupt podcast every right single now. day. <laughs> Uh, so the Jellico Ball, there's the a lot Ball of. begins. There's, there's a, big a little dance show piece. Everybody's tails are operating. Is like there dicks. a bit of a reprise of the <laughs> Jellico Cats uh, song where they're like, explain what Jellico oh, Cats are? <laughs> Not to you know do a uh, musical theater thing. Yeah, no, they're they as they're walking into the Jellico Ball, they all sort of start saying what Jellico Cats are, but it keeps changing, uh-huh. and they're saying they're speaking it in a scary way. So there's yeah. one verse where they're like, Jellico Cats. Come out. Jellicle cats are of moderate size. Jellicle cats, as we said, are small. <laughs> and they're black and white and of moderate size. And those they're small. Are, we have learned neither of those things. I loved that, like, the first song in the musical is about Jellicle cats. Then you get another song that's about something else. And then the third song is about Jellicle cats again. And it's like, at this point in my head, I'm just like, okay, if you're gonna make up a word you can't like use it all the time just like do it in two songs total no, no, no. total you gotta on the do musical it. Yes. that's 
you, you got to sell it. You sell that word constantly until <laughs> it no longer has any meaning. You just think of just strange. It starts as a strange sound, and then you're like, I kind of understand what they're saying, and then it's just a strange sound, and it loses like all uh, comprehension to you. This is the point at which Dan was like, "This is a Clockwork Orange." Just a bunch of like scary other my Dan, not this Dan, Your boyfriend, the, my Dan. boyfriend, no, but also Dan, me. A bunch of people just, yes. Also this, also Dan McCoy, just like, cause a bunch of people creeping into an abandoned theater with like weird, sinister intentions, saying yeah. words that don't totally make sense. And the audience feels like their eyes are like forced open. Yeah. It's I, not since, uh, yeah, like it's the only thing I can think I can compare it to in some ways is it, in the way they repeat words and stuff is like how in Sweeney Todd, they keep reminding uh-huh. you that the show's about Sweeney Todd. Right. Like right. Every now and then they'll just be like, Sweeney Todd's the guy. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's a little bit like if in Fiddler on the Roof that every song was like Jews, Jews, what are Jews? <laughs> yeah. We're Jews. I'll tell you about Jews. This, <laughs> this song in Fiddler on the Roof is kind of like that. A Elliot. little bit, yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah. This this sequence where uh, people in weird costumes dance into a abandoned church uh, wearing top hats and shit remind me a lot of the first time I played a live action role playing game in a church after hours <laughs> oh, back in no. high school. Oh, wow. uh, what a vampire I was that night, yeah, guys. Very, very cool. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. You know, uh, I, it's a it's a cliche to say something is dreamlike, but like this movie is dreamlike in that it has its own concerns. Like everyone in this have concerns that are very important to them and within the movie it makes sense. Like within the movie, everything is this constructed world. Like, oh, okay. Like, it's important to be the chosen Jellicle cat. Of course, we all know that. But as soon as you like wake up and step outside of the dream, you're like, what was all that nonsense about the heavy side <laughs> well, layer? There are also, yeah. there are also <laughs> many moments where you're like, did I? Is there any way that that actually existed outside of my subconscious? Yeah, yeah. it all takes so. place in a snow globe. <laughs> I think that's. That, it's Tom I Hooper. Like, Tom Hooper is shaking a snow globe yeah. full of cats. Um, I had like a very like clear half asleep thought this morning, which is that maybe the thing is, like, I have a dog. I love my dog, and most but, of my inter- as Judy Dench says at the end of the movie, cats are not dogs. Do- cats are not dogs. You're right. <laughs> But I spend so much of my time picking him up, giving him weird nicknames, and being like, Spoof's the Pope of France. Yeah. And like, just declaring weird things about him. And I'm like, what if all the cats are declaring stuff that humans have declared about the cats that they own? Oh, could uh-huh. be. Just repeating what like, they've heard. I, I would definitely be like, Spoof's a little railway guy. He's <laughs> on the bison. goes everywhere. The train can't start without little right. guts. Oh, uh, the, now... This now this big dance scene. This is the one I was talking about earlier, where I was yes. like, "This actually works for me." But it starts with the moon comes out, and yeah, it's like climbing as if they're going to turn into werewolf cats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then over the course of this dance, Grizabella sort of creeps in to see what's going on, mm-hmm. um, and she like slinks out, and Victoria sees her, and she goes to see Grizabella out in the in the in the moonlight, mm-hmm. um, and. This is when Grizabella does the memory pre-prees. She is sort of like holding her face to the lamplight. Mm-hmm. It's really intense. And honestly, this is the first part where I like did get teary-eyed because Jennifer Hudson, I don't think she's great with dialogue in uh-huh. films, but sh- Jennifer Hudson knows how to emote during a song yeah. and sound yeah. great doing it. And so I was yeah. very moved. 
And luckily, lest I get too moved during <laughs> yeah. this point in the movie, the next thing is Beautiful Ghosts, oh, we're sung gonna, by Victoria. We're going to so fight about this, Natalie. I, I thought that Beautiful Ghosts, you know, I know it's new for this movie version, but I really like the melody for that song a lot. I thought it was a very, very pretty song. Like, And I don't, and as I said, I don't like many of these songs. Sure. I think the song is not the problem. I think the space that it occupies is the problem for me because it's sort of like you look at cats, even people who despise cats, you have to admit memory is great. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, okay, what is the iconic song from this show? The iconic song is about like an outcast discussing like the only memories that they have to yeah. uh, sustain them. Um, and then to follow up, like at least the pre-pres of that with, someone else coming up and being like hey so you think you have it bad you at least have memories that are good my life is worse than yours <laughs> well that she's like she's like at least you have your memories i'm young and have my whole life ahead of me I exactly done anything yet yes. isn't that terrible and, and that grisabella is like i'm gonna kill you right now <laughs> yes yes and also weirdly francesca hayward who plays victoria is half black in in real life but the optics of the way that they have her as just a white cat approaching a cat yeah. who is clearly a woman of color and being like hi mm, i have it worse because like sometimes people say i'm too beautiful to be around them <laughs> like it feels very supermodel no i i agree with that <laughs> it does feel like stealing the moment i but i guess that because i do not have any previous like attachment to the musical cats i had not seen it in any other format so what you're saying is you're like i'm sorry that i don't love cats as much as you now <laughs> yeah that's what, that's what i <laughs> yes. said what you're I'm saying is you're like, at least cats. you have your memories of the original cats to cling to what about me who's never seen cats isn't that the worst thing to me <laughs> no i'm saying that i only i only registered cats as a bunch of stimuli that was being thrown at me so my <laughs> thought when i heard this was like Oh, pretty song. Right. <laughs> like, I will say I also becomes. like this song much better uh, when Taylor Swift sings it. Yeah. I, I like Taylor Swift's version on the soundtrack a lot. This when th What this song becomes, it eventually turns into Judy Dench watching them and, and <laughs> sing talking words that were incomprehensible to me. It was like yeah. they flowed in one ear and out the other. Yeah. My brain yes. refused to register them. Yes. Well, this is because then Judy Dench's song is from the actual show and it leans into Andrew Lloyd Webber's favorite thing, which is just like recitative. That's a bunch of random notes together where it's like, here are some words I say now. <laughs> <laughs> That was always uh, like yeah. that's that's that was when I was a kid. That was my like mental parody of sung through musicals. Yes, because there is always that part which is like, and now to transition from this song <laughs> to another, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, this is not a just, melody. Just yeah. let Do the, you the say listeners to know that, that sir, da Dan went from looking at Natalie to looking at me <laughs> to really that's stagecraft. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you have to include it. the whole audience. You got to play to all the sides. <laughs> So, um, Dan, you were listening. You were listening to a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan, is what you were saying. Yeah, that's right. Great. So, Victoria goes back in after uh, Judy Dench has watched, and Judy Dench is like, "It's time for the Jellicle Ball to start." And Victoria is like, "I don't know if I can." And Judy Dench is like, "Why?" And Victoria says, "Well, I'm not a Jellicle." 
and Judy Dench is like, well, you can watch and you can be my guest. It's better uh, if you watch. <laughs> <laughs> very well. And now the Jellicle Ball finally begins, even though we have been <laughs> watching it happen yeah. forever. And the first player up is Ian McKellen as Gus the Theater Cat. And ooh, baby, this movie is good. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is like, the, look, I will make an argument that there are multiple moments in this movie that come very close to actually working well on their intended level and all of them are when the camera just kind of stops and focuses on a performer and lets them like emote or sing or do their you, thing I mean, if if you let ian mckellen just perform what's essentially like kind of a speech song yeah that he'll be able to do a great job yes like yes. the restraint i wonder if there was like a waiver they had to sign when they were ca- being cast that said like I give them permission to turn my body into a CGI thing <laughs> that just floats around in the air and leaps and Ian McKellen was like mm, Sir Ian is not signing yes. Yes. I won't be doing that I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure they've signed a contract that says that we will look like absolutely normal cat humans yeah. <laughs> not weird at all After well, he Ian did Mc- agree to say meow meow <laughs> oh yeah he, probably he does that. like an arpeggio of meow 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 <laughs> Didn't he also, like, scratch his head against, like, a wall? Yeah, yeah, he scratches 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 his head against a a wall. It's very sweet because he scratches his head against a wall for luck right before he goes on. And Mistopheles is watching him right behind. And Mistopheles copies that behavior because he, like, idolizes Gus the theater cat. And it's very sweet and contributed to my huge (laughs) Mistopheles crush. This This was one of the scenes where I was like, why, like, this scene works somewhat and it's one of the less CGI-ish scenes and it made me start thinking about like the cowardly lion in Wizard of Oz Mm. where like that's not a realistic looking costume like I'm never like oh wow there's a real lion walking around (laughs) and his (laughs) Burt Lars performance is so broad but when he's sad in it it's like really moving to me and I'm like so how come this movie can't do that is it is it partly the CGI is it partly what I couldn't quite figure out what how this what how how the Wizard of Oz was accomplishing what this one was not it can't do it in general but I'll tell you something at the end of Ian McKellen's number, the second time I saw this movie in theaters, the audience burst into applause. The whole audience. Yeah. And it was genuine applause. Like, it did yeah. not seem ironic. Yeah. They're like, oh, holy shit. Some acting just happened in the middle of Cats. <laughs> yes. well, and it's also that it's an old... An- an older actor that we're very familiar with singing about being an old actor yeah. who has his memories of like it's it's one of the few times where I'm like oh the part and the perform of oh, this and Bustopher I'm like the part and the performer match perfectly because James Corden does strike me like a, a big silly cat that likes to eat all the time yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that loves garbage like it's the it's the reason that like but also the, the reason that like. Alec Guinness can pull off Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is a silly character because he's an old man with magic powers that lives in the <laughs> desert and, and takes a young man to a bar because it's like, oh, oh, this guy has like years of, of weight on him, you know, from his past ex- uh, performances. Like, it's just, this it gives you a glimpse of the cats that might have been. But to your, like, cowardly lion point, I think the thing is when you're being shown something that is so clearly representative of something but not trying to be realistic, the reason musical theater works, like, nobody's singing, but they're also yeah. like, you know what, this is just the reality, so we're not going to try and make it seem realistic. It's just, like, the world of the show. This is like they went out of their way to try and make it realistic, yeah. and so then you're like, well, now I can't take anything seriously. <laughs> yeah. It's like the show; the movie would be better if like, people 
people were like, oh, there's this one guy in the crowd that they forgot to CGI into a cat. That would have been like, so much better. Yeah. If the movie would have been better if it was just people wearing regular clothes. And that's why Ian McKellen, I think, like works really well is because he's wearing some of the most clothes of anyone. Like he's in a scarf yeah. and a like shabby little yeah. coat. And like yeah. he his face like they but, did so much hair on the sides that it looks like an exaggerated cat. Yeah, it looks I like keep a cat, gesturing. No, it looks like a, a cat, medium. but it also looks like an old man's like sideburns. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I felt like he was the most sort of human like yeah. of the cats in terms of the design. And he, which and certainly a lot. most of his movements. I think he does some great little cat touches. Mm-hmm. Uh but to to play with uh what you guys were talking about it's part of the idea of like these like a blockbuster movie musical especially in the like the era of uh digital effects is that there is a feeling of like let's make it more realistic yeah. let's yeah, make yeah. it feel less like something that you could go see on stage at your uh i don't know your local gymnasium or whatever and uh and i think it does a disservice in some ways here and in other ways it makes it great that's what I was trying to get at earlier because I think that specifically like blockbuster filmmaking, they almost feel this obligation. They're like, okay, we're throwing a bunch of money at like a big property and good actors, so we also have to like put a bunch of money into CGI fur too. And it's like, no, no, you don't. You don't need to do that. Well, here's the here's a, then a, another question this raises in my mind, which is, so there is a better version of this movie which is not as CGI crazy and embraces the reality of the stage as opposed to the reality of, you know, special effects illusions. That is not a version of the movie that I think would have given me the same joy. That's correct. That I got correct. No, just true. Crazy nonsense flying around in front of my face. Cause I like, I got more genuine joy from this movie than I think any other movie I've seen. I'm, I'm not gonna say all year cause it's, we're, we're one week into the year, yes. but like in the past six months. So like, is it this movie? Like, is it? It's like the worst version of it, but I'd also I got more out of it than I would have out of like a good straightforward. Yeah, well, especially for people that like bad movies, I think there's an aspect of this that's like it's so earnest because a lot of bad movies like try to have try to pretend that they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Also, it's hard for me. Like I've talked about this. Like I've never gotten into the cult of the room because it feels cruel to me on some level. And I don't care about Tommy Wiseau, but then there are like other people, well, especially for me as an actor where I'm like, a lot of these people were just people that like wanted a job and like showed up and did a job and were making fun of them as well. And like, it just really bums me out. This is like so many people with so much money and influence who are going to be fine. Like all committed to this thing that is so earnestly operatically bad and insane but the flickers of the flickers of goodness in it it's just like a whiplash inducing extravaganza and it's just (laughs) like you just feel so free and i've also like you know like i've also heard people argue who didn't have as good a time as we all obviously did (laughs) that like oh you know okay like but everything that's crazy about the movie cats was you know basically crazy in the show cats i'm like yeah, I I get where you're coming from, and I don't want to say that like those people can feel that way. But like for me, you're not like, saying they can go like jump in a lake. No, or I'm not saying that. Hike but or... for me, like the interesting thing <laughs> is like okay, <laughs> they took this successful pre-existing material, threw a bunch of money and talent at it, but then along the way made every decision wrong. Yeah, like every single decision oh, yeah. wrong. Right. 
And like I feel or like right. <laughs> maybe like maybe if you do everything wrong, it equals good movie. Yeah. You're saying the movie shot the moon. Yeah. It, it lost so bad that it won. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it was bad in new ways, and that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is. I mean, say what it's you will. Bad about movie Tom cocaine. Ho- <laughs> say what you will about Tom Hooper. I never saw Les Mis, the movie version of it. It's but, very bad. It's not fun. Is, it's not the fun in time, any way. This is the first time I've ever considered him a director with a creative vision, <laughs> and I'm like, I love it. Yes, because mostly what I know him from is the King's Speech, which is like, fine. Like, yeah. It's right. a fine movie. It's nothing special. It's like it's you know I, I remember seeing that movie and I was like that movie hit every note I thought it was going to hit and I'm fine with that. Yeah. But so I was like, oh yeah, he makes those kinds of movies. And then to see this and it's like, oh no, no, there's things living <laughs> and, in his this head. And because this is a neon fever dream. dream. <laughs> and, and, and like a fever dream, it, like it's a thing where you're like, your brain just keeps rushing and doing the same thing over and over again with slight variations. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and to think oh, that Steve. Jeffrey Rush was probably waiting as a stand-in for <laughs> Gus the theater cat in <laughs> case Ian McKellen hurt himself. <laughs> So speaking of Ian McKellen, <laughs> Gus gets disappeared by McCavity because honestly, yeah. Gus would probably be my jellicle oh, choice. Um, is this one so, says McCavity? Maca- yes, this is this is the second McCavity, and this one is even more exaggerated. This one he goes McCavity. <laughs> 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 Absolutely incredible. And then we get to my man, Skibbleshanks. <laughs> and what I love really about this fun. is there's like t- 20 minutes of sad shit. And then it's uh. just like, and now Skibbleshanks, the fabulous tap dancing cat. And it's yeah. incredible. And, and Monkey Strap starts talking about this guy. And I'm like, is he introducing himself? Who is yeah. this guy? Like, why are well, they no. introducing a new person at this point? Well, this yes. character. So he was a background dancer in a bunch of the previous, uh, th- when the ball started. And he's wearing red pants with suspenders over his cat chest. He's, and he's got a hat and a, a big Mario. handlebar mustache. And you're like, you better introduce me to this cat. <laughs> yeah. Because you cannot just doll up an extra I dancer. I must that way. know who this steampunk cat is. He looks <laughs> yeah. like he's in a cat strip review. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's he in, looks like he's a chip and cats. Yeah. 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 He, he looks exactly Waluigi. like Waluigi. <laughs> <laughs> he's super like, sexy <laughs> and very, and very does, charismatic. And his whole sequence, I love, and his tap dancing is great. And it's almost like the movie is like. This is it's it could be a tap dancing on film. It is like one of the most classic things a movie can uh-huh. do. Like it goes back to almost the beginning of film. It's certainly the beginning of sound film to watch tap dancing on screen. It's just the most basic and cinema yes. dancing you can do. And it's like so every now and then the movie is like, uh, let's undercut it with some crazy shot to something else real quick, and then we'll go back to the dance. And my and my wife was getting so much pleasure out of the shots of him tap dancing on the rail lines and <laughs> the other cats would be like watching his feet because that's exactly what cats do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they tap dance all the way out onto the train tracks on the river. It's like a very magical reveal. <laughs> and every time I see it, no matter what capacity of mind I am in, I am just like, oh, they're out. And I just Pavlovian response was, start clapping. All I could think crazy. was that the train is going to come. Yeah. It's going to just splatter all these cats. I get anxious. There's also a big part in the song when it's like, and the lock on the door. And all the cats go, woo, woo. And I love that part. <laughs> That part, <laughs> really excellent. Um, and then at the end of Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, he starts doing a spin, <laughs> but then he starts spinning up into the air, and everyone in the audience is like, oh, what? What's going on? And then he spins himself into freaking dust, and it's McCavity again! <laughs> <laughs> 
And this time, McCavity says, ineffable. Ineffable. This spin into dust is a gif available on the internet. You need to seek it out. There's a moment. I need to know if there's a if there's a gif of it. I think it's from Tum Tugger, but there's a point where one of the cats is just like, like does like does that kind of gritted teeth, like, uh-uh, I don't think so. And I want to use it so badly on Twitter. Shanks gets disappeared and ever, and before anyone can even know <laughs> what has become of Mr. Skimbleshanks, oh, there's some sensual music that yeah. starts happening, and a crescent moon comes down uh-huh. from the like, sky, tonight? and you're like, oh <laughs> man, whomst could this be but Taylor Swift, who is wearing kitten heels wink wink and (laughs) and has boobs has such prominent boobs and she is just maxing and relaxing on her crescent moon and she starts singing a whole song about macavity yeah and she's got like a bedazzled catnip uh cocktail shaker that she's she's sprinkling sparkly catnip which is making all the cats Horny or tired, I can't yeah. tell. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, not, it's supposed to be like a poppies, a poppies in the Wizard of Oz type yeah. thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, not since Val Kilmer casting drugs to the animal people of the <laughs> island of Dr. Moreau was I more weirded out and kind of confused by the effect that this thing was happening also, on animal people. This uh, is one of my favorite stories now about cats, which is that Taylor Swift's dad had the idea for her to have catnip and apparently like came to set. Like Taylor Swift gave an interview about this. Her dad came to set on one of the early days and was like, Hey, like Taylor, sh- like she should be catnipping everyone, and like they, it makes them all go crazy. And Tom Hooper did not know what catnip was. Oh wow! He's doing cats, and he didn't Ooh. know what catnip was. Because I could only assume that's the only reason there was not already a catnip gag in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, now, now I'm wild. not. I full credit to Taylor Swift's dad, but it doesn't surprise me that one of the great satirists of the English language, Jonathan Swift, <laughs> would come up with an idea like that. He said, uh, "Director Hooper, I have a modest proposal for you about this scene." <laughs> Um, I love Taylor Swift in this movie because there you just get such a clear picture she is such a mean girl who likes the VHS of cats and makes you watch it at her sleepovers yes and and if you fall asleep she's gonna put water in you she's it's like you can see her as a as a little girl bossing her other friends around to be her backups for her exactly. choreographed version of this song. Exactly. But I think but but that's the right feel for this character. For what's her name? Bombalarina. Hey man, I was having a great time. I was slinking around in my seat at this yeah. point. Also, Taylor <laughs> Swift was the first person cast in this movie. Oh. Taylor Swift oh, okay. was the first person Tom Hooper asked because she was almost up and in Lame Miss. And I guess this was like Tom Hooper's sort of olive branch or I'll give this to you instead. Well, that this, would have been a nightmare. This was yeah. her Mary Poppins to Julie Andrews for missing out on My Fair Lady. Exactly. Or exactly oh, no, Sound exactly. of Music, I guess it was. Sound of Music. Absolutely do you, wild. But why, I mean, is th- is this character, th- like, shouldn't she have been, like, old Deuteronomy or Grizabella or something? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. If, like, this is the first person cast, it's, like, a weird role to cast first. But I feel like Jenny is right. I feel like Jenny's onto something in that, like, if, there's a there's a filmed version of the show, uh-huh. and this song in the show is like it's two women in the show that are doing it together, um, but Bomb Ballerina is one, and like she's like the hottest cat, 
Uh-huh. She's like the young hot cat on the scene and like it's belty. It's like a huge number. And yeah. like it becomes this like huge female empowerment number by the end because the none of the men sing it in uh-huh. the show. Like it just becomes when it when there's that huge build, all of the female cats just like crowd around her and are just her backups. And I could see how if you grew up addicted to cats. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm <laughs> yeah. Bombalurina. And, and also this is where- they could like it. It seems clear to me that everyone who was associated with cats, like the bigger stars, came and did their stuff and then pieced out. And so I feel like it was an easier ask for Taylor Swift yeah. to do yeah. this. T Swift was probably going to be hanging out the whole time. I don't think she was on location in Cat London for yeah. weeks in her trailer <laughs> exactly. waiting for her scene. <laughs> like the- this big showpiece number and then peace out. And this is where they they list all of McCavity's qualities, right? Yes, including that he has broken every human law. Okay. Every human law. <laughs> and so, and this is when we get to the uh, after the oh after boy. the, which is weird because he he doesn't <laughs> sing. I'm his sorry, own I know song. you made the joke earlier, but now I'm just really thinking about the ramifications of for the first every time. Human every human law. Every human crime. Oh, he's done terrible things. McCavity <laughs> yeah. has done horrible things, but also kind of silly things. But this is after after the mice babies. This is the second most terrifying sight to me is as we mentioned when the cavity appears with no trench coat and he just looks like he's been he's just a castrated man yeah it's horrible it's a really samson shorn moment like if we had seen idris elba that naked the whole movie it would have been one thing but because we've been shown idris elba in a hat and trench coat Uh he maintained a level of dignity Well, and, and it also means that McCavity is making the choice to show up naked. <laughs> and the, and, McCavity and, is the one that's like, this is my big number. i got to take it off. <laughs> and I feel like of, of the performers, he doesn't quite have the same pipes as everyone else. Maybe I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> no, no, he sings for a second in the first his first appearance yeah. and he's like the cavity is a bad cat and a monster oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he just sings for a second he's like what's going on um but yeah yeah he's so naked at the end of his number <laughs> at the end of his number his big number ends they made a whole light up staircase happen mm-hmm. um and at the end of it Deuteronomy walks up and McCavity is like, well, clearly I won. I'm the best one. And Judy Dutch says no. And then he magics her away. Old Deuteronomy is gone. Oh, no. It's very no. sad. It's very Time sad. Time for the new Deuteronomy. Yeah. Time for the best song in the movie. Time for the best oh, song in the boy. movie. But also before that, they go to the they go to the barge. And my favorite line happens, which is the, uh, they try to force Deuteronomy to walk the plank. And he says, like, just make me the, make me the jellical choice. Just say it's me. And then, like, we can all go home. And Judy Dudge turns around. And with every bit of gravitas <laughs> she has, she goes, you will never be my jellical choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to assume that, I mean, again, she was all she was almost going to be in Cats when it was on the stage when she was younger. But I assume yeah. after being in uh, the Chronicles of Riddick, yep. she was like, I'll say whatever. Just Who give cares? me whatever dumb line and I'll say it. You will never be my jellical choice. But then we go back to the Egyptian theater, which is where they're having the jellical <laughs> ball. And... Uh, they all, none of them know how they're going to get old, old dude back. This is when Mungo Jerry calls her old dude. And Victoria is like, well, Mistopheles can do magic. And the song Magical Mr. Mistopheles, which in the show is just Mistopheles being arrogant and singing about himself. Now in this movie becomes like, we all got to psych up Mr. Mistopheles. 
And I gotta say, also, there, there's something about the way it's shot where, like, he's standing on the stage with the footlights on him and the cats are kind of, like, gathered around some, like, from below, that it really felt to me that suddenly the movie of Cats transformed into a high school production of Cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it had this weird but, feeling. Yes. It's so confusing because McCavity had disappearing powers and stuff, um, but Mistopheles really just had, like, the magic he had was, like, cards. Yeah, it's all parlor magic. Yeah, yeah, it's not, like, it's weird that she's like, oh, he does he does magic. He could probably do other kinds of magic, That's because too. Victoria is somewhat brain damaged from being <laughs> tossed out of a car in a sack. Yeah, honestly, so like, she got tossed he, out with vigor. Uh, ma- so, yeah, yeah this, is, this is very, like, 70s. There's a little bit of rock to it, right? Mm. It's a little bit of swing. Uh, I'm just gonna go out. I'm just gonna go and say, not a fan of this song. Really? Wow. Audience, we were so on board. The People audience that we singing. saw with was was singing and swaying with it. But that's you know what? Maybe it's just because this plus the do do do. And you guys are in Hollywood, right? Those are the only of... things I knew about it. So it was like when it finally showed up, I was like, oh yeah, this song. Whereas every other song was a delightful new discovery for me. <laughs> right. Like a, like finding opening up an oyster and finding not a pearl but some kind of like a squid's eyeball <laughs> with a cat face on it. With a cat face. On. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say I don't listen to this song on its own ever, but in the experience of watching it in the theater with an audience, it's one of my favorites in the context of watching the thing. Natalie, this yeah, that, that comment good. raises way more questions. Well, because <laughs> I think that it's so great in, in an audience. Yeah, in the I'm theater. imagining Natalie at the gym, listen to all the cat songs. Yeah, listen to Skipple Shanks on the treadmill. I guess that makes sense. You're right, but I I I do think it makes sense that this plays so well. With an audience, because it is that moment of kind of like uh, clap your hands and Tinkerbell will come back to life. Yeah, and, it's exactly that. And yeah. everyone, everything in this movie is so dumb, but at this point, no matter how dumb it is, everyone has somehow bought into it. And they're like, yes, yes, yes do your magic. People, all of the people by this point in the movie that hate the movie and wouldn't have been on board have walked out. And everyone that's left has let the movie happen to them yeah. and are just luxuriating in it. And there's, so he, well, I should mention what the, the, the baby mice come back while he's singing his song. And there's a bizarre moment where he like lifts off his hat and there's mice on his head and one of them falls to the ground and scurries away and no one seems to notice. No. It was like, so did they just like add that in like Sergio Aragone's margin cartoon style after they made the movie and no one knew it was going to be there? Like it was just so strange the to me. The mice were all upset about it too. Yeah, the they were not happy. Yeah. There they were horrified. Yeah, happening. and then he just yeah. puts his hat back on over the remaining two mice and is like, shut but up. It's I'll the most you later. It was at that moment that I was like, oh, this is the movie Tim and Eric should have made yes. instead of the movie they did make. Yeah. Yes. But he does it. They, they managed to get his confidence up. Yes. And they magic Judy Dench right on back. They think they did. They didn't. They think they didn't magic back old dude, but then she's standing right behind them. Yep, it's. And then she sings a verse. Yeah, she does sing a verse. Yeah. And when we first hear Judy Dench's voice in the verse, I did gasp aloud at the premiere to a point where there was like a smattering of laughter <laughs> at me being shocked when everyone knew who was happening. <laughs> like it was being telegraphed so intensely, and yet I was overwhelmed. So after. After this, like, seven-minute song where they only <laughs> sing that his name is Magical Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah, it goes on forever. Max Ash pointed out that the funniest moment in the movie is Strap then, at the end, saying, and now we are introducing oh, Magical yes. Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what we were doing? Oh, this whole time? 
Wow. It's like Monka Strap was in the bathroom during the song, and he missed <laughs> yes. his cue, and he had to just came, he just came out like yeah, high school play style, and just yelled his line onto the stage, no matter what was going on. I think I think this was around when I went to the bathroom during the movie because I held it for so long because I had no concept of where I was in the movie. <laughs> yeah, more um, physical space. Oh my god. Uh, meanwhile, on the boat. Are, we've our uh, Bustifer and Jenny Any Dots. They use their powers to defeat Growl Tiger and knock him into the water, and he's dead. I guess. Oh, and <laughs> the final thing of it, they like do most of the work, and then Gus, the theater cat, goes to the plank in front of Growl Tiger and scares him off by doing by recreating the performance that he talked about all through his song, which is the Fiend of the Fell, and he, <laughs> he does this by going. Fiend. <laughs> and you can't tell what he's saying. <laughs> this is one of many things that totally <laughs> eluded me the first time I saw the movie and then opened like a flower to me the second time. Fiend of the there were like I knew I could understand it was like Shakespeare I could understand the gist of what he was talking about but if you asked me the specifics I'd be like I don't know it's like he's he's clearly re- recreating the thing he used to do, but I don't know what it is like I don't know what he means like, did we also mention that the way Jenny Any Dots escapes by ripping off another skin suit <laughs> yes either she has constantly regenerating outer skin where she was wearing several different layers of her Dance Elliot, she's to, the to Russian suggest, doll of cats. Yeah, Elliot, to suggest anything but the first thing is horrifying <laughs> yeah, and horrible. Matryoshka cat. There's something about there's something about wearing a skin suit from another person that is terrifying. But then wearing multiple skin suits, all I can think about is how sweaty you would get underneath. <laughs> yeah. It just feels gross. And all the planning involved. Oh man! And you got to tailor the ones on the outside to be bigger than the ones on the inside so it fits uh, over. All right. And you don't have a lot of time, so you have to swiftly tailor them. Yeah. So it's, like, it's a little bit like in the in the wily in, in the uh, the cartoons where it's the uh, it's the wolf and the sheep yeah, and yeah. they're e- they've each dressed up as each other yeah. and they continue to remove their costumes <laughs> until at the end of the wolf is holding a stick of dynamite and you're like wait that stick of dynamite was walking around dressed as a sheep yeah. <laughs> oh no it's the, it's the wolf and the sheep dog and they're wearing each other's skin uh, yeah. anyway it's a great co- great cartoon <laughs> old Deuteronomy is back and luckily it's now time for memory. The song we've all been waiting for. Victoria finally, like, she goes out. She brings back in Jennifer Hudson. And the lead into memory, the way memory starts, is Victoria just looks at Jennifer Hudson and goes, sing. (laughs) (laughs) And then memory happens. Audience surrogate says sing to Jennifer Hudson. The only only way it could have been better is if during the middle of the song, a cat off to the side of the stage had picked up a phone and said, it said Uncle it said said Uncle Andrew, it's your nephew. So Gary. Gary Lloyd Weber, I'm a cat. Anyway, you know that song you've been looking for? And then it held up the old phone, but they didn't and, do that. Uh, yeah. When Jennifer and the, hits and the Hudson, phone would be very strangely proportioned for the cat's body. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it takes like ten cats to pick up the phone and yet somehow t- the like rotary t- dial t- is smaller. It's like the, the phone cat. in top secret. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Yeah, when Jennifer Hudson hits her big dramatic note at the end of this song, that was the second genuine applause break in yeah. my theater. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that key change moment, that big modulation, it's so satisfying. She sounds incredible. She adds like a little bit of a growl on the all alone with the memory. So like it's mm-hmm. just yeah, adding yeah. like enough of her own sort of spin on that song. 
Um, it's just great. It's just great. They also like there's not a lot of like funny camera stuff going like on. Nothing. They just it's yeah, like right on it's her face and Deuteronomy's face. Just let her do the thing, and she does the thing, and I cried. But oh, how some, I cried! It's like the difference between a movie that is throwing all sorts of crazy junk at you, and a movie that is like, oh, there are things that are like genuinely like entertaining performance things, like singing beautifully or tap dancing where it's like it's enough to just put that on screen so you can see it and that's enough to make the movie but every other scene it's like uh i don't feel confident that this is going to hold the audience's attention so maybe there should be trombones and flowers <laughs> flying around the screen <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yep uh and it so reminds me, it reminded me of a oh wait sorry yep. it reminded oh. me of a uh, there's an there's a louis mall documentary called god's country that's about this little, this small rural town, and there's a scene where it's just a, lo- it's just a wedding, and the people are dancing at the wedding, and there was something about like, oh, this being on film suddenly shows me how special it is. Like if I was seeing it in real life, I might not realize how much it, it, how captivating it is just in its existence. And that song, it's like that. I think if I saw it in a theater, it might not have hit me. Maybe because it's a person seeing it in real life, but like on film, it's just like, oh, this is all it is, and it's still so. So yeah. captivating, like, and to put it on film so simply is like, they finally they knew what they were doing for once. And it's a it's movie. a fairly simple song. Yeah, they let it be yes. her "I Dreamed a Dream" moment. Yeah, and yeah, it works, and she kills it. She wins yeah. the Jellicle Ball. She is Judy Dench's <laughs> Jellicle choice. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And also, the right death after cult has their sacrifice. Yes, <laughs> and also it's very the it becomes uh She's the, the whiplash queen. of going back to how bad the movie is after this genuinely good and like sort of tasteful moment yes. is that right after this happens they force everyone to start doing like cat moments of affection with each other and start just like rubbing oh. each other as like a way of saying good job on this song oh, <laughs> and you're the telecall choice they do they, they all look it. like they're about to kiss each other but then their heads like Jerk away at the last minute. Yes. Pets too. Yes. Uh, and she gets into the the I guess the vehicle that takes you to the heavy side lair, which mm-hmm. is a hot air balloon attached to a chandelier. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mr. Mustafeles lights all the candles, and she floats up. And the there's a moment here where I was like, and then McCavity is like, no, me, me, and he tries to hang on to it and falls off above Trafalgar Square. And for a moment, I was like, are we going to see McCavity like slam against the pavement and die? Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this also, like, this is like this dr- big dramatic moment and like Idris Elba, like <laughs> Idris Elba cat jumps onto like, uh, you know, a straight piece of cloth coming off of this. And it's like, a moment from Marmaduke or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. it becomes a totally different movie. Yes. Hobbs and Shaw or something. <laughs> he tries to say his final magic phrase is he tries to use ineffable one more time and it doesn't work. And then he oh. goes, Ruh <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. like, oh no, I guess he's not magic anymore. I guess like yeah. this entire experience has y- taken away his ability actually, to do magic. Yeah, I, I thought I saw cartoon sweat drops appear on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> now now I wish he had hit the ground and then went, Me ouch. <laughs> that been, mm-hmm. But instead he just falls on the top of Nelson's column, right? Like yeah. that's the yeah. and all the cats have gathered around the lions of Trafalgar Square. Which, Which are what cats, really got me was I was lions or cats what? too. The what? Yeah, lions or cats too. <laughs> what really got me here is I was like, could they not get a photograph 
of Trafalgar Square. Like, <laughs> it's this crazy CGI Trafalgar Square, and the cats look like they're made out of Irish... The lines look like they're made out of Irish spring soap. Like, they're so bright and green, and everything is so weird-looking. I was like, this is a real place. Like, you didn't need to, like, <laughs> yeah. crazy it up. Just stick some cats around there. Come on. <laughs> yep. And it is at this point that... Even though there has been no fourth wall breaking the entire movie, Judy Dench suddenly looks straight into your eyes and <laughs> makes you gasps. complicit in everything that has been happening. <laughs> and on second watch of this, I noticed that Strap is very aware of her going directly to the audience and keeps sort of like looking at her quizzically and it becomes Fleabag. Yeah, basically. So it's just Fleabag season two. I wanted to say about the reaction. Where did you just go? (laughs) I wanted to say about the reaction shots of this is they they stay on this close, it's a tight shot, but they still have all four actors on camera at the same time. They got, you know, two cats on one side, two cats on the other side. Old Deuteronomy is one of the middle cats. And, you know, she's delivering this long speech to the audience, and they have absolutely nothing to do. So they're just staring at her very, very intensely <laughs> while squirming around. And it looks like all the actors are like pre orgasmic or something. It's very weird if you yeah. start paying attention to them. It was so strange to see. So the end shot of this movie should be that the chandelier is going off into the sky and all the cats like wave goodbye uh-huh. and then big music big, big music rise and then it's out in the credits but it, it's like the movie is over and then Judy Dench is like looks at the camera like all right let's go over what we learned you're probably wondering how we <laughs> well, ended up here well this but is let me tell you a few things about cats Ellie, you this think is the part this would of the happening during cats. the credits I saw the or movie. <laughs> this is the part of the movie that is for people who wandered in thinking it was a cats instructional video for like owning <laughs> <Yeah>. cats <laughs> Like how you're supposed to treat a cat. Yeah. She's she's like they sing about how cats are not dogs, and I'm like, seems pretty fundamental. Maybe you should have opened the movie with yeah, that one. Like, but it's they, it felt like uh, to me like the end of uh, Thor Ragnarok, where the movie is over, but Taika Waititi's character is still joking around, and I was like, movie, you're over. Like just show me some credits, get out of here. But I guess this and each time Judy Dench finishes a verse of this song, you're like, ah, and the song it's is the over. Longest. And they all <laughs> repeat it. <laughs> But it's like it feels like a bit I would do where the song like just keeps going and you, every time you think it's over she starts singing it and I just imagine the Dan cat being like God damn it Judy yes. Dench like come yes. on yes because it is panned out and then like it goes right back to close up and it's like she does an aggressive turn right back to us yeah, just yeah. like it pans out and you're like oh thank God like that part is over I felt very put on display I felt like I was in the play and I didn't uh-huh, want to be yeah. in the play. <laughs> You know what? My guess is maybe they saw the movie of Into the Woods where that final song about how children will listen for some reason was just over the a wide shot and then the end credits and not really in the movie and they were like we're not doing that mm-hmm. every song's on camera we are not we're, this, we're gonna, <laughs> maybe they're we're gonna, lo- look we are not skimping on it maybe Talk tom hooper it. saw maybe tom hooper saw funny games and he's like that's <laughs> what i want to do <laughs> make the audience feel like they're in the action <laughs> then and we then- get the they finally finish that song, and Judy, and we think it's done. And then Judy Dench reminds us that oh, the storyline that has been imposed on the film is will Victoria become a jellical cat? I wonder. And then she tells her that she is a jellical cat, a dear little cat that was Rosebud all along. And yeah. we get the I, final I, I, shot of the movie 
which I love, which is just another wide shot of that chandelier balloon flying up to space where the cat will presumably die alone. Gravity. I want gravity with Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. It shimmers away with magic, and and we know that she's made it to the heavy side layer, which I assume turns out to be a place where Alf eats cats. Like, she's just on Melmac, and they're going to eat her. <laughs> oh All gosh. this whole time, this whole time, old Deuteronomy's just been working for the Melmachians, just like helping them get supplies of cats, and it's terrible. Friendly Fire is a podcast about war movies, but it's so much more than that. It's history. It was just supposed to be another assignment. It's comedy. Under no circumstances are you to engage the enemy. It's cinema studies. It's a hell of a combination. So subscribe and download Friendly Fire on your podcatcher of choice. Or at MaximumFun.org. And also come see us at San Francisco Sketchfest on January 16th. You can get tickets at sfsketchfest.com. accomplished. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a new Simpsons podcast that is Simpsons adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, In its topic, we talk to Simpsons writers, directors, voiceover actors, you name it, about non-Simpsons things that they've done. Because, surprise, they're all extremely talented. Absolutely. For example, David X. Cohen worked on The Simpsons, but then created a little show called Futurama. Mm -hmm. That's our very first episode. So tune in for stuff like that with Yardley Smith, with Tim Long, with different writers and voice actors. It's going to be so much fun. And we are every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, Guys, I'm sorry that my synopsis was like so long that no. I wanted to talk. Yeah, so you're, you're, to, you're to blame. To it's not the interruption. I've never wanted to talk so much about it. The, uh, I know. Well, I, I have a lot of questions about what the premiere audience, oh, yeah, sure. how That's they reacted to this movie. So now it's time for our, our roving entertainment reporter, Natalie Walker. She's our premiere princess. She goes I'm to sort all of, the premiere I'm sort of the Maria right, Menounos of the flop. I'm going to make room for recommendations at the end of the show, but I'm going to say that this behind-the-scenes stuff takes the place of letters. Let's uh, wow. just stipulate that. Great. About letters. Great. Um, Oh, well, there never was a letter segment in this episode of Flophouse that was about cats right now. Natalie will tell us about the premiere of Cats Right Now, which she attended a few weeks ago. What was it like to see this movie? Elliot's coming up with this melody for the first time. Can't afford the music so, um, first Natalie of- Walker is a curious cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, right before the premiere, um, I got drinks with Lin Manuel Miranda, who, who is who I went with because his wife had no interest in seeing cats, and he had seen how unhinged I was about the trailers online, and he was like, "You seem like you have the right mindset about this <laughs> that movie." Was, that was the connection. I was curious. I was curious yeah. with the. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had like, like 
I had watched Fosse Verdon at his house when he was like doing that every week, oh, having cool. different like groups over. And so he knew I wasn't a murderer. <laughs> um, and then I like did a workshop that he is working on uh, in the fall. And so he knew that I could be around industry people and right. not all, uh, uh, murder them. Yes. Um, and so, we were, you know, so that was the. We've what? talked. We've talked to him briefly through the the auspices of the McRoy's. Uh-huh. A very, very, very nice human being, uh, and 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 very publicly nice. So we will not ask you what his reaction exactly. Was, but exactly. I'm curious about everyone uh, else's. But we. So we got. My wife has talked to him about George Whipple many times. <laughs> we got drinks. We got drinks before, and like he had gotten like a full dinner, but I got there a little later. Um, and there was a group from Universal at the table next to us. And they had made a big point of coming over and being like, oh, like, Lynn, we're so we're so glad you're coming tonight and blah, 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 blah. And then they leave. And then, like, 15 minutes later, Lynn and I get up to leave. And the server comes over and is like, oh, that other table took care of uh, all of your stuff except mine. Wow. <laughs> they left my Burn. one. They took care entirely of Lynn. And they left my single cocktail to fend for itself. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. So funny what? to just sort of be like, we don't know who that is, so fuck that. Um, but then we. Wow, what was it like being the Grizabella of that moment? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I felt like I had been absolutely hissed at. Uh, I was crawl. I had to crawl over to Lincoln Center for the premiere, actually. <laughs> Lynn was like, well, you know what you got to do. Um, so we like go, we go to the premiere and. Everyone so that double Long Island iced tea you had to pay for, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I'm sort of like raring to go. We like get to our seats and I'm looking in front of us and there, first of all, our row is like Andrew Lloyd Webber's daughter is right there. And then like the Niederlander family who own like half of the Broadway theater. Like it's just this insane row. And I'm like, Natalie, please don't embarrass yourself tonight please don't do anything insane like keep it do together do not gasp and when Judy Dench starts singing yes exactly and so I look, oh my god so then I look in the row in front of us and there's this like 10 empty seats and I'm like wow I guess a lot of people bailed on cats <laughs> and then I realized as it was starting that that was the cast seats and they were oh, all going to be sitting right in front of us oh, and I was like no. oh no I oh, have to no. chill out but um before it started, Tom Hooper goes on stage and introduces like all of the cast, and that's when he said like this person is the first person that I cast, and it's Taylor Swift. And I was like, you cast Bomb Ballerina first, like okay. Um, Thank and then, you. And then he, <laughs> um, and then he says, uh, and now like two consummate clowns, Rebel Wilson and James Corden. Rebel Wilson walks out, and everyone is sort of confused and looking around, and. Tom clearly whispers like off mic, like James, and then Rebel on <laughs> Rebel uses her mic and is just like, "Oh, James has had enough," and everyone's laughing because we think it's a bit, and he's gonna come out soon because he was he's at gonna the, be in the audience he was or something. at the premiere. He was <laughs> photographed on the carpet and fully no, he never came out. He apparently left right after the red carpet <laughs> and did not go see the movie. Um, wow. Yeah, and. <clears throat> And then Tom Hooper starts talking more about the movie and he says, it's, it's really about the perils of tribalism and <laughs> the what? importance of acceptance. <laughs> and then he brings out Andrew Lloyd Webber and introduces Andrew Lloyd Webber as like the reason all of us are here. Andrew Lloyd Webber walks out and makes a point to say, 
I haven't even seen this movie yet, so I really feel that even though I wrote the music, and he's trying to say it in a way where he clearly wants everyone to perceive it as a magnanimous thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he, what he ends up saying is, so at the end of the day, I think that uh, really more even than than my project, this is Tom's movie. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like so. It's it's oh. like it comes off like Tom Wolf taking out those ads after Bonfire of the Vanities came out. Where yes. it was like I didn't have anything to do with this movie. Yes. I, blame me. Like, I also his, his I assumed you were gonna say that he comes out and be like, uh, I don't know what he was talking about. This is just a play about cats. Yeah, because like that's what he's always said. Yes, about. it's like the famous Hal Prince, Hal it's about cats story where Hal Prince was yeah. like, who is this? Who are the like political stand-ins for these cats? I'm so intrigued. And Van Lundover just said, Hal it's about cats. Um, so who is yeah. so vain? <laughs> See, it may, I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but him bringing him out and being like the person while here, it makes me think that like Andrew Lloyd Webber is the Stan Lee of cats, and I wish now that he had a cameo in the movie as like a dog catcher who's like doing what I can to help you cats, wink, and then like runs off. <laughs> or he could have been the dog. Andrew yeah, Lloyd Webber could have been the yeah, dog. Yeah. Um, that might, might have been him. So then the movie starts, and already we're sort of like the perils of tribalism thing. Like Tom Hooper was clearly taking it so seriously in his mm-hmm. speech before that everyone was a little anxious about how we were expected to perceive this cats. Yeah. And it starts and thankfully I mean, Jellicle Songs is such a crazy song that is notoriously insane. And so it starts and we're all sort of like Yeah, like party song, like this is fun. Yeah. This is silly a little bit. We're like laughing and sort of trying to enjoy it audibly. Um, And then after Jellicle songs happened, it became increasingly clear over the next like three minutes that the movie was expecting us to take it very seriously. (laughs) And then it just was sort of eerily silent for most of the movie. There were, there were like titters of laughter when rebel Wilson appeared and was like scratching herself. And at some Uh of the improv, but for most of the movie, everyone was just like stoic. Mistopheles, nothing. Everyone was just sort of sitting on their hands. It was really, really wild. And then that <laughs> final, when you don't know that Judy Dench is going to look at you, the, the, energy, <laughs> the energy in the room, it was absolutely insane. Well, it was all that anyone was Judy talking Dench about at the look after at party. Look, that's what they say. Yeah. yeah. At the after party, all... People were talking about, we were like, what did you do when Judy Dench looked at you? <laughs> like, how did like, you perceive it? Judy Dench is like, I know why you're here. Yeah. You think this is funny, don't you? <laughs> yes. And were people uh, lining up, uh, you know, to talk to Tom Hooper afterwards and be like, well, you know what? Uh, the screen was very clean. We, it was all. <laughs> they had like a big table at the after party and. Uh, I didn't realize like how famous Lynn is. And so this like woman like ran over and was like, Andrew and Tom want you to come over to their table now. And I was like, I can't go there right now. I had three wines during that movie and I am too scared (laughs) of what I will do and say. And so I stayed away from that entire vicinity. But I will say Jennifer Hudson walked by me looking gorgeous and I screamed, you're iconic at her. (laughs) (laughs) And she seemed, she was really nice. She was like, oh, really? Thank you so much. 
<laughs> she seemed very genuinely touched. And so I love you, Jennifer Hudson. You're she didn't like I push you over in schoolyard or something. <laughs> yeah. I w- I, one time um, I was like having this like really bad weekend and I ended up being at Target in West Hollywood at like 11 p.m. on a Saturday and I felt so uncool. I was like, I don't have anyone to hang out with. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I walked down the aisle and Jennifer Hudson was <gasps> in that same Target. And I just had this moment of, if Jennifer Hudson's in this Target, I like it's okay for me to be in this Target too. <laughs> I must be living my best life. Because she's just, she was just like so cool and glamorous. And anyway, she really is. She's iconic. So glamorous. That's she's exactly iconic. the same as running into her at a cool party that Lynn Manuel Miranda invited you to. <laughs> Target is better. I think Target is better than the yeah. Cats party. There's less existential crisis involved just at a Target. To I be, feel to see Jennifer Hudson just pricing out generic brand toilet paper like that is just inspiring you know it was so inspiring (laughs) jennifer you're an oscar winner you don't have to get scott (laughs) (laughs) you can get charmin ultra soft even um is there more stuff or Um, so i don't so you're saying so you think the people at the premiere weren't like love it this is great you got a hit on your hands everyone was kind of aware that it was a crazy mess yes everyone was aware that it was a crazy mess but also like a lot of people were already sort of being like this is gonna be a really fun movie to go watch with friends Mm -hmm. later Mm -hmm. um there was was the cast doing like during the movie how were they reacting i like did not clock what they were i was so overloaded (laughs) with anxieties about how i was coming off that i feel like i didn't really clock them because i was just like please don't embarrass yourself in front of the shiny celebrities yeah that it, are is, it is about. a little bit also like the sun is exploding in front of your face and there's like a kid doing a cute thing and you're like <laughs> well, i don't know what the kid was doing the sun was exploding <laughs> yes right in front exactly of me. <laughs> exactly i have never been so hyper aware of myself in a space while also being attacked with a th- i like had no idea what anyone else around me was dealing with i could only only like the audible things i mm-hmm. could really pick up on but i wish that i had you looked did, you down didn't more wanna, often at at miss t swift you didn't want to be the one like leading the audience in like a group cheer or anything. <laughs> right the closest i came was that gasp for judy dench because i kind of thought we all were gonna be like wow he did it and instead it was only me <laughs> i was fist bumping during Jellicle Cats, which did lead like a very old man in the row behind me to come up to me after and was like, I like watching you more than the movie. Yeah, it was a very sweet old man thing to say because I really was like during the high energy moments, I was trying to be like, Yeah, cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, there was a man in my row who was dressed up as Grizabella, which I felt <gasps> like was the correct vibe, uh, and it was they... in like a floor length fur and full on I'm, I'm assuming they did not play trailers before the movie so no. you usually didn't get, at premieres they don't have the trailer you didn't <laughs> yeah. get well they didn't show a trailer for in the Call heights the, the uh, no, upcoming so Lin-Manuel like, Miranda Tom Hooper's like thank you so much thank you to everyone <laughs> and now my big production this is a movie I've spent years on Cats but first what else is coming to a theater <laughs> <laughs> and a Sonic trailer starts <laughs> that would be great also he did f- say that he finished the movie at 9am the day before Oh, wow. Uh, so that was a cool <laughs> thing to hear before. Yeah. so much speed Something right now. Something of this magnitude. 
Oh, Look, wow. guys, uh, I don't want to do a traditional final judgments because I think we all really yeah, we all liked loved it. ourselves. But yeah. I, uh, ooh, that sounds weird. Loved seeing this. Um, but I, I just want to say, like, I want to give a little space for some like final like outpouring about cats because I want I want to I, I will tell this story. I came home from cats having a great time with Stu and Charlene and Audrey. As I was going to bed, the, I you know I have sleep apnea as we as many know. I the last yeah, you're thing you're the sleep apnea cat. The last thing before there's a certain cat who doesn't sleep well. <laughs> sleep breathing for him is a sort of a hell. He's Dan the sleep apnea cat. There. What's that machine on God. that cat's face? <laughs> no, but like. So, like, I, I make a decision, you know, like, I'm going to bed. This is the last thing I'm going to say before I put a mask on my face. And I said, mm-hmm. I wonder what dreams about cats I'll have tonight. <laughs> and then the ne- the first thing I said the next morning was it was something about cats. I can't remember what it was. I have to ask Audrey. But, like, she has videos of me, like, two days afterwards hysterically laughing about <laughs> the word Jellicle and why they kept saying it over and over again. <laughs> Like, me singing songs, these were, like, half-secretly taken. Maybe I'll post them after the thing comes out. But, like, I like my social media was all about cats. I just descended into cat madness. You did You did get cat scratch fever, Dan. Your <laughs> yeah. Twitter was just about cats. But I, I have not laughed at something so hard and had such a fun time in years and years and years. And you have to, you have to just, like, face yourself. At a certain point, if you've had that good a time watching a movie... You just like that movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. I'll t- t- you know what, Dan? I'm going to suggest we skip straight to recommendations yeah. because my recommendation for this episode is Cats. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think maybe it's the first time I've ever said, you know what movie I'm going to recommend? The one we talked about yeah, this movie. We got to, people got to go out and see Cats. I, I would say, recommend seeing Cats while you can see it in the theater. Yeah. That is not expressly a call and response thing because when we went to Al, we went to Alamo in LA last night and the showing after ours was the quote unquote rowdy screening mm. and they were already starting to do the like call and response type things. But I think it's really fun to go with a group of people where some people might still be there to see cats. You want, right. you want to be part of that legendary first generation yeah. of film exactly. goers to you see want, cats sincerely. You yeah. want the assholes to get shushed when Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson does yes. her solo. When these two fucking nutsacks sitting behind me <laughs> at one, like right in the final scene of the movie, one of the guys like, this is going to be the next Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I'm like, not if you're fucking there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you want to see it when, when you're laughing and someone behind you goes, show Skimble Shank some respect. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I came to a realization. I'm just like, you know, I could see this movie again and again. I, I kind of want to own it when it comes out. On yes. like, I want to I watch all of the special features. I want the commentary. Yes. I want everything. Yeah. You you want that Criterion collection? Yes, I want to consume everything about this. There, like, there will be moments where I'm going about my day and just images from this movie pop into my head, and it just makes my whole day. When I think about Skimbleshank spinning into dust, it makes me laugh so much. I will just fiend of the fell when like the way that I could not get through it even on this podcast there was like a whole day where out of nowhere I started thinking about it on the street and I had to stop and get into like I crouched down in the middle of the sidewalk because it was making me laugh so hard classic Manhattan moment it's truly just like the most joy that I can that I can possibly possibly there's something about this 
It's like seeing cats is the first time I really felt like I understand the characters in Ringu, where it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, they saw something and it infested their brain and they can't, they can't, yeah. can't deal with anything else Like now. stumbling out of that theater, I was like, how do I just go on and do normal <laughs> stuff? Like, it's so boring. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's cats, guys. Yeah. Uh you look, it's I, a cat's world we're just living I in. I have, you know, I have a recommendation. It feels kind of anticlimactic, but it does sort of tie into musical theater. But, Ask uh, why. What? She, she says she also has I a have recommendation. a recommendation okay, You're not that alone. ties in as well. It's not, so it's not maybe five recommendations for I, cats. I, uh, I, would like <laughs> I just to recommend... can't remember having ever seen another movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to recommend there's a, a documentary called... Best worst thing that could have happened. Is that your recommendation? This was literally my recommendation. Yeah. Holy shit. Because it's a perfect title for this movie <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, we can talk about it uh, sort of in tandem. Then, yeah. you know, it's about um, the production, the original production of "Merrily We We Roll Along," the Stephen Sondheim musical that legendarily uh, closed at what it was it like six days or eight days or something? Yeah, yeah, and it was in 1981, so it's coming off of the huge success of Sweeney Todd. It was him and Hal Prince. This movie basically like destroyed their working relationship. Uh, this musical basically destroyed their working relationship yeah. for a little bit. It was like a really personal loss for Hal Prince because his daughter was in it. He cast his daughter in this cast because um, it's this musical that... Uh, goes backward in time and sort of bef- long before the last five years and like especially uh before that became like a more popular structure for most like movies and uh musicals but it was a colossal failure and because you're supposed to be tracking the trajectory backwards of this group of friends and you meet them when they're these like unbelievably bitter cynical Uh, middle-aged people and then you go backwards so the finale of the show is meeting them as these like bright-eyed bushy-tailed college kids but the conceit of the show they cast all of these like 20 year olds because they cast it like it was gonna start when they're 20 and so then the show began with seeing 20 year olds in like drawn on wrinkles like old person cosplay (laughs) like doing this stuff and it just is such a failure, but the lead guy also had like filmmaker aspirations and thought this was going to be a huge deal. So he took a ton of behind the scenes footage during the rehearsal process. Yeah, and you may know, uh, you may know the director of this film as the guy who wants to be a Broadway producer in the Muppets Take Manhattan. The the human being uh, male lead in that. Not movie. Dabney Coleman. Uh, no, but okay. the, he said human being, Elliot. But the, <laughs> yeah, he's a coal. But the man thing about this, <laughs> but the thing about uh, the documentary is because these people were basically kids when they were cast, and they're like they're old people now looking back on their career and looking back on this experience. It's like the it's flipping the musical. You know, it's it's not you know young people playing old people looking back it's old people actually looking back at the time that they're young people playing old people looking back and so there's all this like genuine you know emotional feeling about the way time passes and what it means and also it's interesting to see like they're very successful people in the cast jason alexander was in the cast john carlo esposito was in the yeah was in the and then there are people who for whom this kind of was a dead end in their career and 
both of those groups of people have major regrets about their lives and it's sort of in a depressing way like it, it, it shows that you know you can do anything with your life and still kind of look back on these things with regret but still also you know have wonderful memories um i don't know yeah you have even things? if you're all alone in the moonlight yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just great. It's yeah. just great. I'm also I'm so glad that that was yours too. Oh, that's yeah. funny. It's uh, a really good one. It's available to watch on Netflix yeah. anytime. Um, it's really, really excellent and heartbreaking. And also, the score of "Merrily We Roll Along" is great. So, there is a very good song for you in "Merrily We Roll Along," Elliot. You would do a very good Franklin Shepard Inc. He would be that, an awesome Franklin Shepard Inc. I've been yeah. saying it for years. That is a good uh, I love Merrily. It's one of those shows that I've always been meaning to like listen to music, and I just haven't. That it was a, one of my high school yearbook quotes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I was deeply unpopular. <laughs> no, it was one of mine. What a time to be starting out. What a time to be alive. <laughs> I like that Natalie. song very much. And I saw a, a pr- I, what I think is a pretty good production of the musical recently. But I, I, I don't really like the musical that much, despite liking a lot of Sondheim's stuff. But right. like, but the documentary on it like made me appreciate it very, very a lot more. Absolutely. I also recommend the. Uh, there's a video of Ralph Sparza doing Franklin Shepard Inc. That is, I think, the best version of. That I think song. you'll re- relate to it because it's about somebody who cannot stand their writing partner, and oh, that's yeah. very much our relationship. <laughs> Tell me about it. Finally, someone's put my thought, thoughts and feelings into words and music. Yeah, outside of, I don't know, when it comes to my recommendation this week, outside of uh, Disney Plus's Encore, I don't have much musical theater related. Oh, uh, <laughs> Stuart, we have to do, it's great, it's great. Between Younger, Younger uh, the last time I was yeah, here in Encore. We'll do now. our Younger podcast <laughs> and then our Encore podcast. Uh, I, I'm going to recommend a, uh, a classic Stuart movie. I'm going to recommend the 2019 remake of the movie Black Christmas. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, the original Black Christmas was a foundational slasher movie. It was remade back in, what, like 2001 or two. Uh, and it was recently remade. It was co-written by a uh, friend of the Flophouse and Max Fun alum April Wolf. Uh, it is a kind of a modern take on the sorority slasher. It's fun. Uh, it's gross, and, and it provides a f- like a, a different perspective on that kind of a horror movie. I don't want to go too into the plot, uh, and I also recommend not watching the trailer because it kind of goes too into the plot. But uh, if you get a chance, if you like horror movies and you also are interested in watching horror movies from a female perspective, uh, I would totally check out Black Christmas. Anyone else or just cats? Jenny, do you have a another oh, recommendation? Sincerely, just cats. Okay, okay cool. so that's two for cats. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel like just cats is uh, underselling it, Dan. <laughs> oh, I mean, I only cats. It was my theatrical now experience of the, de- of the decade. <laughs> just while it's still in theaters, go in theaters. Yeah. Go have that experience. The image that was on all the ads and the posters is like these two cat eyes and the pupils are people dancing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like that's what my eyes must look like all the time. <laughs> it's just cats dancing in them constantly. I yeah. want to go again. It was like a ride. Yes. Oh, also no, please watch. There's a commercial for the Broadway production of cats where they did like a tie in against drunk driving. And it's all the cats <laughs> warning people against drunk driving. And they're, and they're like, if you're a drunk driver, you could kill a child, a child, a child. Please don't let a child be just a memory. <laughs> like, it what? literally comes what? in. It's insane. 
insane. And I hope that you do that as the play out of this because <laughs> really just the audio even will give it to you. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> Everything related to cats is my life. Now cats is my God and my disease. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll quickly do some, uh, you know, just plugging some for the show exercises. and the network before saying goodbye to everyone and thanking our guests. But, uh, you know, go to MaximumFun.org. Listen to the other shows on our network. They're all wonderful. Like, I don't know, Switchblade Sisters. The yeah, do it. April Wolf. Who does. shot you? Uh, yeah, other movie podcasts, if that's your thing, man. <laughs> uh, go to iTunes. You know, uh, give us a good review. We hope. Uh, tweet about us. Tweet about cats like I've been doing for the past two weeks. Um, you know. Leave a nice review for us on iTunes. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Uh, and uh, we should thank our two guests, oh, yeah. uh, Jenny Jaffe and Ellie Walker. Our great editor is Jordan Cowling. Uh, we are a product of uh, us on the Maximum Fun Network. As Dan said, listen to those. And, uh, well, guys, I, I hate no, to break it to you, but but, uh, but well, what were you going to say, Dan? No, I wanted, I, want, I, I, I wanted to extend our guests a, a bit more of a fulsome thank you for being on the show because it would not look Dan usually you don't even want to introduce it would not be surprised we would not have had yeah I hand you their credits and you throw it in the garbage (laughs) we would not have had such a fun time nor would have been uh, such a good show without Natalie and Jenny do you guys have anything you want to plug before we sign off no truly just just the movie cats cats. okay just see cats (laughs) just spreading the gospel Uh, cats cats. well guys I uh I unfortunately have to go. I was chosen as the Jellicle choice. Oh, no, you! Evening. No, you're the worst one. <laughs> you, and, you, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm Elliot, the uh, culturally Jewish cat. And, uh, I have a. Uh, there's been a. There's been a hot air balloon with a chandelier under it waiting for there's me. Got to be some kind time. of gefilte uh, fish. Your dancers are just batting at a dreidel. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> putting it under the sofa. <laughs> you have the curls. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah, we've really we've really figured out this Jewish cat. <laughs> <laughs> um but, uh, I guess that's so, it, guys. Yeah. Thanks I mean, for cats is coming okay, down so forever. Who are you? This is it for oh, Sorry. I, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen, the ending the show cat. See ya. Bye. Bye. Meow. <laughs> McCavity. Ineffable. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> All the sky is dark for all the stars are in Flophouse Theater. <laughs> Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.